welcome, welcome, welcome to the show, The Eccentrics with UI, where I have conversations with individuals that pass the following criteria, such as, which is just basically three things. One, that they have traveled a fair bit. Two, they have created a money-making venture. And three, they are willing to share with you, the audience, a destabilizing setback they had in the past, and most importantly, how did they rebound from it? But I have an important, important uh, announcement to make today. Um, as you know, each of our episodes for the last uh, nine weeks have been sponsored by a weekly newsletter that I created titled Three Nuggets Wednesday. But last week, I decided to change the name of the newsletter to Three Nuggets Weekly because I hadn't been delivering by you receiving the newsletter on Wednesday, as I had promised. And for the past uh, three weeks, this has been the case, and it didn't sit well with me because I, my word is my bond, and if I say you will receive something on Wednesday, you should receive it on Wednesday. So with this change now, I promise that you receive the newsletter every week, and instead of putting a date to it, I decided to just give you the promise that you would do receive the weekly newsletter every week. So the new name for the newsletter is now Three Nuggets Weekly. It's still 3NW, just to play on different names. With that, enjoy the show. So who is UI having a conversation with today? I am privileged to have a lady by the name of Jetty Olaf come on the show. And let me share a little bit about who Jetty is. Jetty is an eager explorer, an unapologetic beach bum, a curious mind, as well as a designer. This mix of passions has led her on a path to providing creative design solutions to businesses and initiatives around the world. From North America to Europe to the motherland of Africa, she hopes to continue to find creative ways to validate the belief that all who wonder aren't always lost. Well, let's listen to my conversation with Jetty. Enjoy the show. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. It's, uh, man, what time is it here in Calgary? It's almost 10 o'clock. I'm um, having a conversation today with uh, a lady by the name of Jetty Olaf. And I'm very excited to have this conversation with Jetty. I want to thank Itoro for introducing me to Jetty. And Jetty is somewhere in the world where I don't know, but I think he's still in Canada, hopefully. If not, fantastic. She can tell us where she is, and if she wants to keep a little bit of privacy there, that's fine. Jetty, how are you doing? I am doing great. Very excited to have this chat with you today. Um, I am still in North America, which is good. <laughs> <laughs> i'm okay. in new york so um yeah very nice very nice and i've never really immersed myself in new york per se i mean i've been to new york probably three times and every time i go there i'm just like what's the hype about this place <laughs> so i mean please let me know if you have got a better experience or deeper experience about new york or is it a place you frequent or not really yeah so I'm actually, so I should caveat, I should, I'm in New Jersey, I'm in Hoboken, which is actually a couple, is like 10 minutes from New York. But that is the, for me, that's my 
fixed to the craziness that is New York. It's like access to New York without having to be in the madness of it. So I could still go into town and do all of that good stuff, but I can always just hop on a car and be back, you know, in this spot in a quiet area um, when I can. Um, I don't know. I feel like my relationship with New York is love hate. Like I love the excitement of the city, but I've never, I've never been able to stay here for longer than a few days or so. I feel like that's is always the max. But it's definitely an area that I do want to continue to explore a little bit deeper. I think it's there, there's a lot of gems here that um, now that pandemic is maybe over. I'll go, well, do I knock on wood for that? I don't even know. <laughs> Actually, yes, please do knock on wood. Thanks. I should knock on the wood. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, no, um, I do. I do feel like it's an area that I definitely want to check out a little bit more. There's always like all the cool stories come out from here, and I feel like I've I've never given it a real chance. So mm. you know, it's funny we'll uh, we're talking talking about New York. I saw something on Instagram before I went to bed last night, and the guy is like, "You guys are talking about New York and everything. Have you ever thought about just sitting down in the subway and looking at it right in front of you?" <laughs> <laughs> funny story about that is, I am yet to see a New York rat. And I've actually made it a thing of mine, which is I go looking for them, which is I want to see what this rat looks like or what these rats look like, because apparently they're huge and they don't, they're not like normal size. But every time I go to the subway, I'm like, why don't I see one? I want to, I want that experience of seeing a New York rat. I haven't seen one yet. So have you been to London yourself? I've been to London. Yes. What's the, what, what's your take on using the, the underground service in London and using the the subway service in New York. Funny enough, I feel like I would, I'm less likely to get lost in New York than I am to get lost in London. That's my take on it. But I also feel that that might be a thing of, I generally don't like England. So I feel maybe I'm biased to that. And I, I mean, there's a, there's a similarity between I'm going to put a caveat there. I'm, I'm pausing because I'm like, maybe there isn't, but there, I feel like there's some, fo- there's this form of familiarity, not similarity. There's a familiarity with the North American subway system. I feel like if you know, if you can get around New York, you can probably get around anywhere else. Um, So even being from Toronto and really starting to get used to that uh, subway system, I feel a little bit more comfortable when I come to New York and figuring my way around there there's still a lot of questions obviously and for me i'm one of those people i don't mind asking questions if i'm lost but i just feel like it's easier to get around in north america than it is in england those ones i there's there's a formula for it and i'm not sure what they were thinking about with building that system but it's not bad because apparently in england when you get a hang of the subway system you're good you know it like the back of your hand is like a second muscle so Talking about, I mean, Jesus, I did. I honestly did not intend to have a conversation about subway system. But since we're here, <laughs> let's do it. Um, subway system in Toronto, how is it like? I've seen it, but I've never used it. Is it? Is it really? Can you leave in Toronto and not and move around the entire city just with the subway system, like London? I lived in I lived in England for two years, and man, I want to go back to your love hate relationship with England. <laughs> but 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 in in Toronto itself, how is the subway system like? I think it's pretty simple. 
you can get every you can get to the key places with the subway but then there's also like those extra things that you need to get to other places so you can get to key joints by the time you get out you either maybe take the gold train to get to the outer cities or you can take the um obviously buses and all that stuff when you come out of the subway to get to other points but it is it's not as not is nowhere as complex as new york or england or any of those places but um they have two main two main lines one and two mm. which kind of touch the gta so oh so it's not as immense like london is no ah uh, no it. so so what's the difference between the subway system and sorry what's the difference between the subway and the go train in toronto go train is up top so it's like literally like a regular train but then like what they do is is no not even the tram the streetcar so <laughs> it's so funny because when i moved to england and i moved back to toronto i kept calling the streetcars trams and everybody's like what and i'm like oh god i wasn't even in england that long like wh- why am i calling it a tram anyways the streetcars are actually different from the gold trains the gold trains are the they're the bigger ones they're like actual trains that will take you to the outer like the outer cities so the the other cities around toronto like mississauga ajax all these other places that's where those gold trains will take you to because the subway wouldn't reach there, I guess. They don't have those lines yet. Hmm, yeah. Interesting. Okay, so let's go back to England. What is it about <laughs> England? Why, Man. Why, why don't you I like was, England? I was... I'm somebody that my... And I, I hate to admit this, but it's just the, the truth of it. But I'm somebody that my mood is affected by the weather. I feel everybody, that's how a lot of people are, but I think a lot of people are able to cope well, cope a little bit better with it. But for me, I'm one of those people, if it's, if it's a cloudy day outside, um, it's a cloudy day inside. <laughs> <Just like. laughs> wow. Cloudy day inside. I'll tell you. Okay. All right. Um, so I knew from the first couple of months that I was there that I was like, oh man, this place, to be fair, I was also in Nottingham. Nottingham is not a, a bustling spot. Let's put it that way. Um, I did enjoy one thing I did miss out on is because I went, I was in England for my MBA. So I was there where I was quite focused when I was there. And one thing I did miss out on was the fact that I stayed where I was. I feel like if I had taken a lot more opportunity to go around, I would have maybe not have had this, you know, when I think about that, you know, (laughs) allergic feeling when I think about England. So that's on me. And maybe when I do go back and give it another chance and not necessarily stay in one spot and do a little bit more exploring around England, I'll be a little bit, that might change my perception. So, so you did your MBA in England, but you left Canada for England to do that MBA and then you returned back to Canada. Um, actually, no, after, <laughs> once I was done my MBA, I did come back to Canada, but it was literally for about a day or two. And then, um, I got an opportunity in Lagos, Nigeria, and I just kind of closed my suitcase and hopped back on a plane and I was in Lagos. I was meant to be there for a couple of months, but I ended up being there for about two years. Oh, so that know, was... I, I love stories like this. Oh, trust me. So... <laughs> So why did you decide to do an MBA in in England instead of in Canada, which was home for you at the time? 
I wanted to get out of Canada. I felt like I had been there for too long. So I had, um, after I graduated, um, I had started my own consulting business in design. I'm a designer. Uh, and that has, has been worn in many different ways. So I did a lot of design consulting. Um, and I did that for about a decade almost. I wanted to do something different. I wanted to... Um, I wanted to be in a different space, but also I didn't want to spend too long in school, back in school. I did know, I felt like I needed an MBA because I was moving. A lot of my clientele was a little bit more corporate and I, I wanted to, you know, get a different angle on that kind of thing. All the school, most of schools in Canada are two years for an MBA. Mm-hmm. I didn't, and I wanted something that was catered to the design industry. None of them did. That was mainly finance, marketing, which, you know, it's okay. But I did find somewhere in Germany, actually, that had a design-focused MBA. So that was my first option. Um, luckily for me, I talked with a mentor at that point who, I don't know, I can't remember. It was, it's an interesting story because by the time we went through the details of the program that I was looking at in Germany and all of that, it just felt like it wasn't going to be worth it. So I switched gears literally about a, maybe three months before start time. And I ended up at Nottingham University for my uh, for my MBA, which happened to be a good thing because as much as I didn't like, you know, Nottingham per se, the program itself was amazing. But anyways, that's a whole different ball game on the side. I did enjoy that program a lot. Um, I had a focus in entrepreneurship, not necessarily design, but it did allowed me to expand a little bit more on the design part of things and not focus on finance and business and all that kind of good stuff. Well, finance specifically, it was an MBA, so you had to focus on business. But yeah, you understand mm-hmm. what I mean. So so you settled on Nottingham University because, first of all, Canada was a two-year program with almost all the MBAs. I was not prepared to do that, yeah. So in, in England, or let's say Nottingham University, how long is the program there for? A year. Oh. It was one year intensive. <laughs> okay. So that that is the reason why I didn't go anywhere. I was literally, ah. I was, it was an intensive program. And for me, I made that choice. Obviously, I wanted to take it a little bit serious. Um, so I did spend a lot of my time um through that program in school. Hmm. I was a good well, student. <laughs> I, I can see that because most people that go to 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 the, to, to to anywhere in Europe. They it's to travel this, they, yeah they do this adventure thing they just every weekend they go some to, an, to a new country or something but for you that one year was like seemed to be just focus get it done i don't want to say it was a regret but if i had to do it again i would definitely be a little bit more flexible in time so let me not say if i had to do it again when i go back i would definitely be a little bit more um focused on the exploration part so what's the difference between the the Germany opportunity you had and the Nottingham opportunity. And why did you choose the Nottingham one instead of the, over the Germany one? Credibility. So Nottingham University, and this is again, <laughs> I don't know, but um, the Nottingham, so Nottingham, Nottingham University is a little is credible. It's a credible university. It's um, the program is credible. The, uh, the education was, top-notch which is great um and the opportunities that stem from that the network 
opportunities was was a, a lot better. If I had ended up in the German, and of, of course I wouldn't want to mention the name of the place, but if I had ended up there a lot, it would not have been, yes, I would have had an MBA in design leadership, which would have been a little bit more unique than the regular MBAs that we um, see right now, but it would not have given me the access to the, at least I don't believe so. We would never know. Obviously I didn't go, but it would not have given me to the access to the network and the uh, level of education that I was looking to get hmm. at that point. Okay. okay. So I'm thinking that someone in the audience is like, Hey, you, I, you guys started off with subway system and now you guys are an MBA. <laughs> so can you help us tell this lady's story? So let's, let's go back. Let's go back to childhood. You were, I, I'm going to just say this. You're born in Nigeria, I, I presume. And yes. Itoro, who's my very good friend, told me you guys went to this this universe, this high school that seems to be like the, one of the posh high schools in Nigeria. You guys are competing with Loyola College. Okay. <laughs> 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 but um, but I had that, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I had that even though Adesio had this brand name, it seems as if the management or the founder or the headmistress or the headmaster of Loyola tried to say, we're going to tamper down on the excesses so that kids are not feeling like I'm better than you. Is that true? I wouldn't be surprised if that was a strategic move because one thing about Adesue that I absolutely loved was the fact that every, there were people from all walks of life that were able to come to that school and thrive. So it, you like you had like I want to say royalty. Yes, we had royalty and then we had it, just the every the regular, regular people from Nigeria that were living and you all had to live under the same conditions. It was not, there was no you know um like you said excesses like the excesses were not uh they were definitely cut down um but it did it it built a certain atmosphere ecosystem that you couldn't have found anywhere else i feel like everyone that went through that adesu experience and my my experience in adesu was i didn't i didn't finish from there but i was there for about three four years um it was definitely a defining part of my life i think it definitely taught you get you get a sense of street smarts, but at the same, I don't know. It's, and I think that's also a thing about boarding school. Um, I think boarding school gives you a certain, you know, purview on life that you can't find anywhere else. So, yes, I wouldn't be surprised if it was strategic. I don't know if that was, if this is for a fact, but if someone gives me evidence to say this was the plan, I'll be like, oh, that makes sense. Mm. Okay. <laughs> So I went to boarding school as well, but I went to a federal government college boarding Ooh. school. Yeah. How is how was your boarding experience like in a year? Because my boarding experience in federal government college, trust me, <laughs> it was the proper one. <laughs> I mean, was a year different when you said it really made you street smart? Was it still tough? Was it like seniors could do whatever they wanted to do over you? Or Absolutely. Did you guys have matrons? And I, I hear that some some boarding schools now in Nigeria, they even have a washing machine. I'm like, praise the Lord for y'all, man. Wow. No, but you know, Gen Z is now, they're living their best lives. But let me tell you, um, it was, we did, so we had a we had a we had a matron. I think there was a, there was one there was we had a matron, but it was also that thing where, you know, once you're in the dormitory, it's that's a different world. Like there's nobody that is there looking over your shoulder, trying to make sure everything is well. So you had to be, you had to organize yourself in a way that made sense and you can survive what's going on there. 
Um, for me, my experience was, I want to say it was, I, I liked my experience because I, I came in at a point where I did have, um, you know, someone in a level above me. So we had, of course, six forms, form one, form two, form three, form four, form five, and form six, um, I, which is GSS one, GSS two, whatever. So for me, when I came in in form one, I had a cousin in form two. I had a brother in form three. I had a cousin in form, like, so I had somebody in each of those levels. So I had a pretty nice time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Plus, had, I, had, I stayed. You had godfathers. You had godfathers I, I and sta- godmothers. I stayed out of trouble. I stayed out of trouble. It wasn't, you know, a thing of, I, I you know, kept my head down and made sure I was doing things that I needed to do. But, um. I, I enjoyed it. It was a it was one of those experiences where you see, you see things happening, you see how people, you know, connect with themselves, you see you learn a lot in in that in that space. Yeah. That so I I think my my experience in boarding school was good. Okay. I've heard horror stories and I've seen horror stories, but my personal experience was good. So your I did say your experience was interrupted to move to Canada, huh? Yeah. Was was Canada planned? Did you guys come with did you come with your parents or how how did that happen? Yeah, absolutely. Um so my brother had my eldest brother had moved to Canada a couple of years before and he he went straight into like high school or whatever at that time. And then a couple of years later the rest of the family we all moved through. Um that was a that was an interesting shift, I'll tell you. Because I feel like my, you know, everyone's excited. You're coming to a new country. But we moved into like the north, northern part of um, Canada. So not just, not only was it a weather shock, but the culture shock obviously was, not only was it a culture shock, but the weather was extreme. (laughs) So, yeah. Northern parts, Yellowknife, Northwest Territory. Funny enough, I did have an uncle in Yellowknife. Okay. <laughs> but no, we um I was in Port St. John. So that's actually British Columbia, but it's more it's closer to yeah. mm, mm, where where the paper and pulp industries. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you were you 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 came to Canada, Fort St. John, and you did high school here in Canada? Oh yes, I did. So I came in in grade ten. Okay. Okay. Um wait, no, did I do grade ten? grade 11 i can't remember with 10 11 one of them but because i do I, the reason why is actually because i do remember they wanted to take us a, a year back and i remember my mom being like this makes no sense these guys like they're absolutely <laughs> like you can see their grades they actually should be a year ahead and i think that's also one of those things where it was just they were not used to having people from that side of town come in um that's also a very interesting time. We were literally the only black students in that. In, in fact, the town, there was another Sudanese family that had been there. Those were the only black family for a while in there. So when we moved in, kind of, you know, diversified a little bit. Um, so, yeah, that's when I, I, I moved after four years in Addis Ababa. So, so please, Fort St. John is not a place that a lot of immigrants go to. Why did you guys decide to settle in Fort St. John's? Please help me ask my mother because she's the one that handled our. <laughs> my mom is an immigration consultant, um, oh, okay. and that's where we ended up. I I I have no clue why that was the choice, um, but that's where we were. Hmm. So you you did your you did your entire high school in Fort St John, BC. 
And yeah. then t time for college, where, where did you go? Um, I moved to Ottawa. So that's where my elder brother was. He was in Ottawa this time. Ottawa he, is... He, in... Sorry to interject. He never stayed with you guys in Fort St. John. He just no, my eldest... Visit. Yeah, eldest brother okay. has... Because he was the first to come to Canada. So okay. by the time we came, he was um, starting university and he went to um, Carleton University in Ottawa. Okay. And um, so myself, so a little bit of a background, like um, I, there are three, I have two elder brothers. I'm the last and I'm the only girl. Um, so my middle, my immediate elder brother and myself, we were the ones that stayed in Fort St. John. So once we we finished high school there, one by one, we started moving to Ottawa. Um, one thing that my parents have always done in the past is uh, we've always been kind of like close knit. So we always go to the same schools. We always go to the same, like we're always in the same city for the most part. So even Adesoye, all three of us, we went to Adesoye, um, Carlton University. My brother started there. My second brother joined him. I joined them. So I just felt it was a natural progression from us, at least from our family side. Mm -hmm. So that's how I ended up in Ottawa. All right, so we're about to take our first uh, break here with uh, Jetty. And when we come back, I now want to transition the conversation to find out how did Jessie, Jetty sorry, become getting to design? And when she says design, what does she mean by that? Because design is such a very big word. So stay with us. We'll be back shortly. So I'm, I'm back with um, Jetty, and uh, Jetty was telling us now she was in Fort St. John's and her brother, her immediate senior brother and how we're moving to where they are, the, I would probably say the supreme brother, <laughs> <laughs> had, had, opened up a, had opened up a road for them to come join him over there in, in Ottawa in Carlton University. Um, what, why? There's a lot of people I know that have gone to Carlton University. What 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 does Carlton University have? Or I, I don't know how their recruiting is done. There's a lot of people that have gone to Carlton University that are Nigerians. Absolutely. What is it with Cal what is it with Carlton University? We're the fun university. I'm sure the Ottawa you guys, if anyone's listening to this, that's from Ottawa you, they're probably wrinkling their nose. So there are two main um, universities in um, Ottawa. Ottawa is the capital of Canada. It's the capital city in Canada, so I'm sure mm -hmm. that's also one of the draws of of, of the of um the universities there. Mm -hmm. Um, but so Carleton University, you find a lot more. They have a very good engineering program, engineers. Wow. They have okay. a very good um architecture program. Those are some of the top ones that you would find there. Their technology program is pretty good too. Ottawa U, which is the other university, is very strong with like uh, the medical fields and the law fields. So you would find in terms of Nigerians, if if you had to look at it, anyone who's going to study to be a lawyer, a doctor and is in Ottawa is likely going to be in Ottawa U. And anybody who's in engineering or any of those kind of fields, you would find them at Carlton University. This is my 
this is my take on the split between the two universities and why you probably have heard quite a number of people going to Carleton University mm. or Ottawa U. Yeah. And, and, and for Carleton University, you guys seem to have had a very good party life over there. Yes, because again, the phone school. <laughs> mm. um, interesting story. When I first moved to Carleton University, one of the key things that was... Um, Part of my, I guess, my 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 story at Carleton University was the Nigerian Students Association. Um, when I first moved there, it was very, it was just a group of people, a group of Nigerians that had this, you know, association. And one of the things that I'm so proud of that I was a part of was, you know, really growing the Nigerian Students Association and community within the Carleton, within Carleton U, and even in Ottawa as a as a whole. Um, I was. They sent me there for school. Me, yeah, I was in the streets trying to to bring people together to party <laughs> and have a good time. Um, that's actually how I ended up in events management. But I'll I'll tell that story in a little bit. But um, yeah. So I landed in 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 um in Carleton University after moving from from Fort Saint John. Originally, I wanted to get into architecture. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but uh because both my parents are architects so we oh were... it's not it, it's now making sense because one of your brothers is also an architect he's ah, an architect get <laughs> i get it okay all right okay both my parents are architects um so i uh, naturally i wanted to get into architecture because I, I grew up with architecture i loved it um i thought i that was it's you know a little bit of design you get to you know build things and get it to actualize into actual buildings it was something i was very interested in um architecture was full i believe it was a, it's a very big it was a popular program it was also hard to get into it was full um my second option was industrial design hmm. <laughs> my grades were not good enough for that one but i was like yo i want to build stuff i want to design things i want to make it you know an actual thing um but then they looked at my portfolio and they were like we really think you would be great to you know there's this new program and we really we've seen your portfolio we think you'll be a good fit and it was called multimedia design at that time oh sorry um, sorry press pause please when you say portfolio you just entering university what kind of portfolio did you have uh, so for architecture i you 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 get to so architecture and or industrial design you, you submit a portfolio along with your application so that's just stuff that maybe you've designed you've uh, drawn art to be honest, I can remember I didn't really have a background of what to put in there. So I remember in my portfolio, and these are things that I had just done in high school and stuff like that was a lot of like paintings and drawings and stuff like that. And then I also had um, some product design. So I had designed some products that I thought would be cool. I had also Googled what does a industrial what does an industrial design portfolio look like? And I had tried to replicate a couple of things in there to see to make sure that it fit. So yeah, it was it was just the nature of the programs that I was applying to. Okay, no, so please hold that other thought you were just talking about about the new about the new multimedia program that we're just starting. So are you yeah. saying that if you were longer in the Canadian educational system with a with a, a desire to one day become an architect and let's say you're in middle middle school and maybe you were having a conversation with a career advisor would a career advisor have told you oh so you want to do architecture so this is what you need to be able to get selected into an architectural program a very highly selective university is Absolutely. you need to start 
you need to start all those drawings you're doing on the side and you're throwing in the garbage. Don't do that. Store it because one day it might become very useful. Is that is that a correct way to think? You are absolutely right because now that just actually triggered my memory because when I did move to Fort St. John, again, between grade 10, 11, you start having those deep talks with your career advisors to understand where it is you want to go so that you're picking up the right courses to take. Um, and I, you are right because those were some of the things that were mentioned because I remember having to take some classes in grade 12 that were specific to if you want if we're going to go into like careers such as architecture or design and that's some art classes and um um technical drawing and all those kind of things um even that technical drawing is interesting because in Adiswe that was I loved oh my god I love that course I because in my mind that's me being an architect you have your little you know T-square. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yes. You know it. That was my thing. Oh man, I, I love technical drawing. Um, so yeah, anyways, that that was so you're 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 absolutely right. Career advice definitely allowed me to focus in building out that portfolio that I now mm. use to support my applications. Okay. So yeah. take take us back now to the multi multimedia. You couldn't get into architecture because first it was full. Industrial design was very, very competitive. You unfortunately yeah. didn't have the grades. So yeah. they were now trying to guide you into this new program. So that's where you stopped. Yeah. So they said this new program is called multimedia design. We think that your portfolio would fit very well in there. It seems like you're highly creative and, you know, this is a thing. I didn't know what it was. It sounded cool. It was a very long name. It was interactive multimedia design. I'm like, okay, sure. You know, my mom was excited about it. She was the one that actually pushed me into this. She was like, Jetty, this sounds like a really good program. I was like, mom, you just like it because it's a long name and it sounds complex. And she was like, no, I think it's a really good program. I think you would um, have fun in there. So, um, yeah, I, I, I got into the program. And I must say that that has been the most aligned decision that has happened to me. It wasn't a decision I made. The decision literally happened for me because it was pretty much what I've been built for. And in retrospect, it is something that I've always done. So putzing around on paint. I remember my parents, again, being architects, they had a they had a, a storefront, but they also used to do a lot of like photocopying and computer stuff in there. So every time after school, primary school, when I was uh, little, we'll go to the office and I'll sit on the computer and I'll design houses and paintings on I don't know if anyone would remember this, but Microsoft had a program called Microsoft Paint. Oh um, yes, mm-hmm. I remember. So for those who know, who know, they know. Um, so yeah, lo- I would lo- be lo- Lotus, Lotus one, two, three. Yeah, there you go. So <laughs> I would be in there, and I would be creating so many things. So I had always had this knack for like computers, digital drawings, and all of that. So when I moved into the Socrates University and I got into the program and I started to understand a little bit more what they were trying to do. Basically what it is, is design that, you know, people can work with like human computer interaction. That's literally where it stemmed from. Um, So we did a lot of coding. We did a lot of web design. We did a lot of graphic design. We did a lot of marketing. Um, of course, with any course in university, first year is a dud. Like I'm taking physics. I'm taking, I'm like, why do I need this? <laughs> why am I in a physics class? 
But um, yeah, by second year, I was, um, of course, getting a little bit more into the actual program itself. And that's when I fell in love in to actual like experience design. I think that's when I started to understand that I wanted to design experiences. Now that manifested in many ways along my career path, because in my mind, experiences meant physical. So I, 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 I put myself heavily into like event management um, and, you know, and things of that nature that just helped to curate, you know, experiences for people. And that's why when I say I was the the Nigerian Student Association was my vessel because I was able to work a lot with people. I was in a position to create these events, design them, brand them. The branding part was a big thing for me. I was designing logos for all the, not just the Nigerian Student Association, other associations would come to me to help them to design their own and brand their own association. So that's how I started to pick up my um my freelancing career, if, if you might, from there. Um, did a lot of entertainment stuff, spoken word, all this, whatever, whatever you can think of in terms of like design and experience and expression. I, my hand was inside somewhere <laughs> in some kind mm. of way. Um, that's what, that was, that was the thing that was a big driver for me during my, during university. Um, and I think that was what made me realize that especially I was like, you know what, I this is what I want to do, obviously, for the rest of my life. I want to be designing experiences as best as I can, but I also want to make this a business. So once I graduated, first thing was I incorporated my business and I started doing this full time. I was because I had already built a little bit of a base while I was in university doing a lot of freelance work. Um so it was easy for me to kind of transition into like an actual independent consultant working with businesses in and around Ottawa hmm. but then yeah I definitely wanted to do a little bit more so I started reaching out I'm like who else can I work with I remember my first international client was this hotel in um in uh Sierra Leone I was like and I don't I can't Are even remember serious? I cannot how did, they, I honestly, how did they know about you and this is what and I have to go back and think about it and I feel it was a networking thing where I had spoken with somebody in Ottawa who had a connected Sierra Leone that had a hotel and they were like oh you know these guys are they're trying to rebrand their hotel and they don't know who to talk to do you want to take and I'm like Sierra Leone yes I want to do that what nice <laughs> and that was that was my first one of my first international clients where I helped them to brand their hotel um I had also started dabbling into events management. I got a certification in that because, again, all through university, I had been hosting different events. And, you know, I'm like, I love building experiences for people. So in my mind, I thought, okay, let me try and make this a thing. So I went and actually got a, a certification as an events manager, events, you know, management, whatever. That was interesting because I ended up pulling that thread a little bit and I actually a couple of years after graduation um, I partnered with a friend of mine and we started an events management company focused on weddings of course <laughs> of course <laughs> it was a natural thing and yeah. um yeah it didn't take me long to know that I I didn't like that yeah I oh, was wow whoa oof, that was not a that was not a good fit <laughs> for me personally because um I I thought what I what I and I, I was recently thinking about this where it's like when I think back on that time 
events management wasn't what I was looking for. It was event design, which oh. is a is a slightly is there's a nuance in it. The management part you're dealing with vendors not showing up. You're dealing with, you know, angry, making sure angry, things angry brides. Angry brides and things of that nature. That's not that was not, not my cup of tea. What I wanted to do was I wanted to design spaces. I wanted to make the place look nice. I wanted to make sure when guests come in, they're having a good and easy time. That was what I was driving at. But I didn't know that at that time. So I automatically just said, oh, this is not this is not what I'm looking for. Um, so yeah, that that lasted for just about a year or so, a year and a half. We did about two, I think two weddings, two, three weddings. And it was just like, yeah, this is not working. <laughs> how, how, was, how was that conversation with your business partner? It was interesting because I think it was one of those things where we both knew that it wasn't, we were not doing what we thought we wanted to do. I think she she ended up still a little bit in the event space, but I think she went into merchant, like the actual, um, like a, she became a vendor. So she does a lot of, I think she ended up doing a lot of like favors and stuff like that, like wedding favors and things like that. But it definitely... It was not bad. It was not a salty end. It was not one of those things. It was we we had that conversation where it's like, I are you are you having fun? No, I'm not. <laughs> is this is this what we want to do? No. And we're we're not we're not getting business like we wanted to. So it wasn't one of those things where we're like busy, 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 and you know, we could focus and throw ourselves into it. And I think for both of us, we wanted to we wanted to make a successful business out of it. But if we were not having fun or we're not even doing what it is we wanted to do like i think that motivation to turn it into an actual profitable business venture was not even there so you know it was one of those things that even though we had you know incorporated it we had we had started it as a business we were still looking for other things to do hmm. right so it was not priority um so there were many there are many factors to that that just didn't gel outside of the fact that you know now we have to start um you know, doing things where we're just doing it because of doing safe. Um, but yeah, in retrospect, when I look at when I look at that events management time, I I'm so happy I did that course. I'm so happy I ventured into a business that settled around because I was able to kind of like you know separate the wheat from the child, the the dirt, and all of that stuff. I was able to decide what it is about events that I enjoy. And that I think drove me into the second part of things, which is marketing management and all that stuff. Where I'm oh, okay. like, okay, okay, press pause, press pause. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so, 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 you you finished Carlton, but while you were in Carlton, Carlton was like this incubator, where yes, yeah, where you could make so many mistakes, and people would say, ah, oh, she's in university. And you're perfecting your skills and all that kind of stuff. So you now finish from Carlton and you started off one venture, which you were, you were starting off. And then events management was another venture. And, yeah. and then marketing management is another venture you're about to tell us. So, so, so I'm back with Jetty and we had a little bit of a technology mishap there, but we're back now. So Jetty, where, where I was trying to go to try to pull the thread so that. I'm in line and the audience is also in line with your conversation and your story is the events management is not your thing. Marketing management is about to now become something about to tell us a story, but there was, if there was a venture, you, you started off before events management. What is that? What was that venture? 
that was pretty much design consulting. So what I was doing, what my my whole business model was, I was working with small to medium sized businesses to help them brand and market their products. So a lot of my clients were um, either entrepreneurs or small businesses that were like looking for ways to get their product out there or to make themselves look better. Um, I enjoyed it because it was heavily rooted in branding. So I did a lot of logos and color schemes and this is how you should, you know, position this part of things. Um, and it was, it was natural work for me. So I did get, I get, I, I got to work with, you know, different industries, which I think was very um, key to keeping me motivated as a, as a creative. So I worked with people in entertainment i worked with people in events um so a lot of events planners and design and uh designers too and people in printing people in merchandising it was it was a good i i was able to touch a lot of industries and i think that's what kept me motivated because it was like oh you know one day you're branding a i don't know an events management company next day you're working with somebody in the health industry and it's like a whole different way of looking at at um you know at design so that has that that stayed consistent throughout my my career I always I always did that um I I I held on to that um venture for a good for a good while um it was also interesting because again it was me for the most part I worked a lot with subcontractors to you know scale up and up or down in terms of the needs of clients and as I started working with a lot of larger corporations, that's when I really started getting into that. I need to get into a little bit of a business mindset and not just look at this as a freelance, independent kind of thing where it's just me doing everything. Um, demands obviously was uh, was where we're getting more complex. So, you know. I guess uh, even though we're in North America, sometimes um, <clears throat> with all the development we have, uh, we still have all these technical issues, but I'm back again with Jetty. And Jetty, you were telling us about this first venture you were having and all the opportunities that was coming at you and everything. And I feel as if that is when the MBA started to come, but that's where we yes. we unfortunately lost you. So please continue that uh, line of story. No, you're absolutely right. Because by the time we I started like scaling up and, you know, working with, I guess more complex projects that's when you know if I I saw the gaps in my you know ability to deliver this as a solo solopreneur or however you might call it um and even with my flex teams that I had in which I could scale up or down it just felt like I needed to know a little bit more and that's when you're, you're absolutely right I started to really consider the MBA at that point I had been doing this for about six seven years I had I really wanted a shift you know, I wanted something to really jig my creativity and just even just the path I was on. I just I needed a change. And um, that's when I really started looking at that at the at the MBA at that point. But um, one thing I want to I, I do want to mention is I, my, my career path. Every time I talk about it, I giggle because it's it's very. It's, it was very. um sporadic like I I was especially with the phase that I was in in that at that point in my life I was very whatever sparked my interest 
you would find me there. I was, I, I just wanted to get into it. So I did a lot of different things, but every single thing that I ventured into always tied back to design or expression or experience, any of those three things. So that's why you see, like, even, even with that initial venture that kind of was, you know, consistent throughout this years, I, I ventured into events management, try that out. It didn't really work. With marketing management, that was interesting because I also picked that up because I wanted to do a little bit more for my clients when I was, you know, in that first venture. That's why I ventured into marketing management. Um, that too was interesting, but also I realized it was not necessarily what I wanted to do. It did give me a lot of insight in terms of consulting at a higher level with clients. It was very good, but I knew that that wasn't my thing. Um Prior to that, even this towards the ending of university, I was doing a lot of theater. No, I don't want to say theater, but I did a lot of spoken word. Um, there was a big spoken word community in Ottawa at that time. So I, I, in my mind, I thought that was also a venture to get into. So this had to do with a lot of writing and creating a script and all of those script writing. And that's actually one of those areas that I know at some point in life I'm going to get back into because I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy that. I remember doing a stage production play with um, one of my one of my classmates at that time. He's actually a movie producer right now. But um, we had we had done a stage production. This was at Carlton. We had done a stage production for Things Fall Apart. And, you know, oh. it was one of those things to like get we got into the stage design, prop design, you know, the whole pulling the cast together. Exceptional experience. Um, I have a question, from, please. Yes. I just have a question, please. And, and don't lose your train of thought. Uh, for someone like me that loves design, sorry, loves art, but not really, really in the arts um, bubble and all that. If. I if let's when you guys were putting together the things fall apart, which I suspect is Chino Achebe's Chino Achebe, yes. Yeah. Do do you do you as a team or as a group of people have to get Chino Achebe's permission to do that play? We were students. And let me tell you, we did things in a way that probably was not the right way. <laughs> so okay. if Chino Achebe right. is hearing this, I'm sorry if we didn't get permission. But funny enough. Um, I don't, I don't think it was, it wasn't, I, I believe we also did an adaptation of it. I don't think it was a direct, um, play of, of it. Are we allowed to do that? That's a great question. Um, you know, in retrospect, maybe we should have gotten that and who knows, maybe they did. Um, I, I would, I would follow with a friend of mine and see if he ever got some permission. I wouldn't be surprised if we did it though. It was no, a student I, I just... pro yeah, I just I I just asked not to put you guys in trouble. The Chino Chebe and his children. If you are listening to this, please, was a very innocent uh, move. But, very innocent, <laughs> and it but, was really good. If anything, <laughs> yeah. The reason I asked is because even sorry, I'm gonna bring politics in here. Even when Donald Trump is doing his rallies and he plays a certain kind of music, artists mm. reach out to his campaign team and say, "We did not give you permission to play your music in your rally." If you continue doing it, we're going to send you a cease and desist. So I know in the artist and in the art world, works are very, very, people are very Absolutely. particular about how this work is disseminated. Yeah, I think there was, there would have, there would have been a very, um, there would have been some leeway, especially since it was a student production. Um, true, true. You know, it could have been for educational purposes for all they might know. So um 
if if this was something outside of that as a business or anything then definitely those are some of the things that would have been key to have had in place because even 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 in work in in design work that i do like there there's so many free resources that could be used but there's still that ask to credit the designer or the author or whoever it is or the creator of that so it's just i and i think even in this time of social media and everybody sharing everything that could be shareable it's one of those tenants of design that i think most people should hopefully adhere to so yeah um it would have been nice if we did get that permission but i wonder if it was one of those things where we were just again as young people who are just bustling with creativity and we're like we have this cool idea let's get into it I, I miss that energy. I'll tell you that because <laughs> mm. now this, there are all these things as I feel like as one matures in life and just continues in your career or whatever, you start to, these things become a lot more important, like what you've mentioned. And it, they, I find most times they're not there. They're, they're hindrances to pure creativity and just that energy of like, I have this idea. I want to get it up. But then you start thinking about all these different things and all of a sudden you're not doing what it is you initially wanted to do. So mm. it's so how interesting. Was- how was that play? How was it received? I think it was good. We opening night was really good, if I recall. Um, I think we we did a two or three nights um, of that, or one or two. I might be wrong, but it was it, it was it was received well for what I remember. I remember that being the moment in time where I was like, I I really enjoyed that. But then I also really enjoyed a lot of things. So I remember also being cognizant of the fact that I was in a phase in my life where I was just leaning into a lot of my interests and I wasn't bugging myself down to stick into one thing um and that was a good time for me because I did get like I mentioned I did get to explore a lot of um channels for my creativity at that point so what what was your role in that play oh man uh coordinator set designer um cast person that was helping to organize uh, the cast um but i think it was it had to i would say my biggest part was the coordination helping to coordinate and the set design was one of the key things that i was i was i I played a a key role in basically using your events management background i didn't have it by then oh interesting I didn't have it because this was during this was during university, right? So, like, I feel like a lot of the things I've entered in, they've all they've there's always been something in the past that when I think about it, I was like, oh, that makes sense why I ventured into this at the end of the day. So, you know, I feel like I did a lot of events that enabled me to be like, oh, maybe I should do events design. I've done all of these things; it makes sense. And then I would end up in that, and then I'll do something again after I'm like, uh, maybe maybe that's not what I should be doing. And then I'll move on to something else. So yeah, my, um, the earlier parts of my career was a lot of moving around, a lot of trial and error of different ventures. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, it was interesting. Yeah. Cause I'm listening to your story and what comes to my mind is a kid in a sandbox. Absolutely. With, with, I like that. Yeah. A kid in a sandbox with so many toys, but as, they start to play with one toy. They're like, mm, don't like it. They remove it. And then slowly the sandbox is starting to have, maybe let's say the stand- sandbox started with 10 toys. But as you're getting older, you are, exp- you, are, you, are, you are having this liberty to explore with all these toys. 
and really spend time with each toy and realize, eh, not, no. And then you start to remove it. And then maybe your sandbox as of today is left with only three toys. Is that a correct way to, to look at your career and the way you've built it or designed it actually? Absolutely. I don't even want to say design because it wasn't an intentional thing. Correct. Um, and, and, and that's one thing I love. I think I love about it was the fact that it has just happened to be that way. And yes, it is an accurate way of it where it was like, there's so many things that have happened, so many toys that I've, you know, kind of dabbled in. And the ones that I've tossed out, it's not like I've tossed it out of the sandbox, but I've pushed it to the side. I'm like, well, that's one thing. There's some of them that I've tossed out because I know for a fact that I don't I don't want to do that. Like, mm-hmm. for example, I know that if I ever have to handle like back-end development, then I must be at a very low point in life, even though development is such a great it's 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 such a great career right now but i just know that as a as an individual i don't like that kind of coding um but i do enjoy front-end development which is the ui part of ui that is the (laughs) is the ui part of you know the development where we get to make things look pretty but we're also just making them work on the on, on digital tools like your laptop or whatever um and I recently actually got back into that. So it was interesting to, I had pushed it aside. It had been one of those things I had, you know, started. I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. I pushed it aside. But now at this point in my career, I'm looking back at it. I'm like, oh, I actually could use this. And I'm actually enjoying it at this point. So, hmm. so I'm, so wait, I don't, sorry. Continue, please. Continue, please. No, I was going to say like, I don't, I've gone through a phase where I, I thought I needed to focus on one thing. And I, I do think it was good that I went through that phase where I was like, okay, I've done all these things. It's time to focus. But what I'm starting to also realize in my journey is that it's, you just have to give things that their time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you should allow things. You sh- I, I like, there's so many, like, for example, the script writing part of things and, you know, having had that experience with stage design and performing, performing arts and all of that stuff. I write scripts and I have written scripts. So I'm like, I might not be doing that now, but I know just at the back of my mind, this is something that I would want to get into eventually. And I still do and write script every now and scripts every now and then just to keep that, you know, skill in so it doesn't die completely. So yeah, I think life should be organic and creativity should be organic too. Mm, So mm. I listened to your story and I'm thinking back to a, a, a word you said, storefronts when you were referring to your parents and they mm. had this storefront with the computers and and that was what exposed you to computers because they were doing photocopying and stuff yeah. like that with this, with this business. Would you say growing up in that environment is what has created you and your brother? Because your brother is an artist, an architect, a poet. You yes. are a designer. You wanted to be an architect, but you that, that the, the class was full. And then events management, marketing management, and all that. Was, was it that environment that you guys were brought up in? That's what has brought out this artistic or creative side of the both of you. Maybe even maybe your first brother as well. I don't know. I absolutely 100% believe that. We were brought up in a very um, expressive family. Um, and this is not just in terms of like how we talk to each other, but in the work that was done. My parents... They, I mean, they work together, they write a business together. So we were very much in that space of like watching them of how they did things. They did things in 
very similar way that I find myself doing things, which was an organic way. They were like, okay, let's do this. Let's try this out. If it doesn't work, that's okay. So they were very, I was able to see the importance of trying things out and not being too bugged down with, I don't want to call it failure, but lessons like, you know, this didn't work out and that's okay. You know? Um, So yes, I absolutely believe that 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 was a factor into the roles that we ended up with. My eldest brother, he, funny enough, for for the longest time, we used to laugh because we're like, how come he didn't have any artistic bone? But he, he's in digital, he's, he's the head of digital now. So I think that really enables him to express himself in that. And he's very much into sports. So I feel like his creativity manifested in a very different way, in a very, it, it, I mean, it came out in a more like, you know, logical and structured way, but that's his personality. But he's definitely, he definitely has a creative side to him that has manifested in its own way. I feel as if, I feel as if because he's the first, maybe your parents were like, you, you we, we need some structure with this one. The, the, the other two were like, ah, oh, just let it be. Because you see, I've, I've, I've seen my auntie and my uncle in Colorado raise their children. And I kid you not, man, their last child, she wanted to do anything. They're like, just let her be. Just. Because, because for them, they had put so much energy into the first two. And now the third one, they're just like, we are tired. We're getting let, old. <laughs> let them do. And you know what? I always laugh because I'm like, I wonder what it would have been like if I was the first. But I don't, I can't even imagine it. I don't think they were, I don't think my parents were so much like, you know, let her do whatever they want. But I feel like they definitely allowed me to be a lot more expressive, expressive you know. Um, I do remember my, cause my first brother, he wanted to do economics. I remember he was like, I want to work Jeez, in economics. I want to do very this. Conservative. <laughs> my parents were like, you're doing engineering and that's what's going to happen. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so he ended up doing software engineering. Um, but funny enough, in retrospect, that was the defining, it was a, it was, it was the thing that differentiated him in his career as he progressed. So he he always laughs about it. He was like, I, I hated it the first time, but you know what? In retrospect, I'm kind of glad that I did that. I didn't end up doing it in, when I, you know, obviously when he got reins of his own, you know, mode of choice and decided that that's obviously not what he, what he wanted to do. He found a way to use those skills. And one thing that he has said to me, and I, I, I it's one of the best pieces of advice. And I feel like everyone should know this is like, there are no, there's no, there are only lessons in life. Like there's no wrong like you, you got, you could have made a mistake yet, but there's always lessons that you can get out of it. So it's just pretty much saying there's a silver lining to everything. Um, and I think taking that for me has been one of the key things I've carried around, which is like, yeah, you know, there's no mistake there. Like it, it didn't work out the way you wanted to, but there was definitely something you got out of it. So, mm. yeah. Did, 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 did doing the MBA kind of take, take out a, a bit of your creativity? Actually, or did, no. Or, 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 or did it enhance it? Oh, that's a good question. I don't. I don't think it enhanced it. I think it refined my creativity. You know what? I don't know what. I don't know that. I don't know. That's a good question because I feel like the way I started looking at stuff definitely was through a different lens. Hmm. Um, I, I, I feel like my creativity has a different has taken up a different form is not as unstructured as it was before it's a little bit more structured especially when i get and and i i do believe it it helped me in my career as i as it is right now because now 
the space I'm in, I the leverage I'm able to take, the way I'm able to apply my creativity, I would not have been able to do that. Oh, I would have been able to do without an MBA, obviously, but it's just, I guess it was faster to take an MBA and learn it right off the bat as opposed to influx. But um, yeah, I feel like it, it just made my creativity a little bit more refined and strategic mm, with that, mm, mm, mm. you know. Because, because while you were doing all these creative ventures, you were also having a regular job, correct? Absolutely, which was a struggle, hmm. a struggle for me because in my mind, me having a job meant that my businesses or all of that was failing. I felt I was like, well, be, the, if if you need to have a job, that means you're not doing this, you're not doing this right, and you need to figure out a way. So I I remember I I went back and forth a lot, which is I'm I would make a decision that I'll do this full time, and then I'll realize that I'm not doing it well, and I I need to have another stable job, and then I'll go into that again, and I'll not be happy in that role or the role. I mean. Like I said, no mistakes, just lessons. I'll take what I could from there and be like, okay, I'm going to go back and try this again. So there was a lot of back and forth of that. But um, I think one of the things I, I've, I I learned from that phase is that, again, I was using a, a, every another person's perception of what success is. Um, because the truth is, like, the business was making me, like, I, I, was, I was doing okay. But I just felt like if I wasn't doing something, then it was not working. I just felt like I always had to be doing something and I always had to have a client. I always had to have this. I always had to have that. Anyways, um, it was, it was, it was lovely. I, I actually have, a, I, I stopped that. Um, when I moved to Nigeria, um, I actually closed that down because that was again, post MBA. I, I had started to look at it a little bit more strategically and I'm like, you know what, this isn't, if if you want to do this, this isn't how you should do it. You know, it was a little bit, it, I had learned a lot from, from the MBA to be able to apply to a business venture if I wanted to do it again. And at that time I had made the decision that I wanted to be working within organizations that have the structure that I couldn't give myself, but then allow me the, the ability to, you know, create and do all of that stuff. And with the, what, what, with the work I did in Nigeria, that definitely was the first taste of being in, a structured organization, but allowing you the opportunity to do all of those things that you were doing before. But now you have this, you know, um, structure around you to support that. So I, want, I feel I, like, yeah. I want to set the scene before you take us to Nigeria, because I feel as if there's a story there that I don't want us <laughs> to miss. But if you, if what's the point you're about to make was, were you about to take us to Nigeria now? Is that was that what you're about to to, to 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 go? Because if you're about to go there, I want to set the scene better as as a producer. <laughs> okay, so I so like you that. said so you said I came I finished my MBA, I came back to Canada and literally closed my box, and one day later I had to be on a plane going back to Nigeria. How did this happen? Finished my MBA. I got back. I remember on the plane back to Toronto, not to, not to Toronto, I moved to Toronto then to Ottawa. I was just like, so what next? What next? But I also remember not feeling that pressure of like having to understand. I had actually been planning on doing, on taking a sabbatical, I guess. I was ready to, oh you know, buy, I was ready to go on a world tour. I had planned out my cities. I'm like, maybe that's what I do as opposed to rushing into like, you know, the next phase of life, just take a pause. Um, 
And when I when I got back, I do remember again, as with a lot of opportunities in Nigeria, I remember talking to an uncle and he mentioned that there was this opportunity to help, you know, refine, redesign an app in in um in Nigeria. And I'm like, oh, I I can do that. Like that's what I do. <laughs> so why not? Oh, it shouldn't take too long. What's you know, got got a brief idea of the project. Um, again, it was very project based that I went in there. It was like, oh, this is a project that needs to be done. They need some help with some UI UX direction. That's what I do. Opportunity to go back to Nigeria. I hadn't lived in Nigeria as an adult, so I wanted to go back and you know experience that. Um, I was born and raised in the north. This was in Lagos. I was like, okay, new city. Hey, let me we'll go check it out. Where, where, so where, in that north, was, where in the north were you born? I was born in Kaduna. Oh, okay. All right. I've never been and, to the north, so I, I don't even have any kind of... It's so funny. I, I was saying this to someone else that I know you know, and I was saying that most Nigerians have lived in one hemisphere of the country. And not ventures to the either, other. Yeah. Either you stayed in the north and you just stayed there, or you stayed in the south and you just stayed there. So it's 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 very interesting. Unfortunately, as Nigerians, we never really experienced our country. And uh, Yeah. I, 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 Nigeria is a... It's a I mean, with all its things, it has its um, it has its upsides. And I, anybody who knew me while I was in Lagos would tell you that Jetty enjoyed Lagos, and that's not because <laughs> of the city itself. It was just because I kept myself in a tourist mode for the entire time that I was there. Everything was a new experience for me. So I did a lot as much as I could. I did a lot of traveling. I did a lot of sightseeing, all that kind of stuff. And there's there's tons tons of upsides to to nigeria mm. uh, yeah. yeah but anyways i landed there and um project base i'm like okay let's get this rolling sounds like a straightforward thing how did you get connected to the founders of this idea oh my parents we we they know each other uh, my uncle was was one of the one of the heads for there so he was like do you do you want to do this i'm like yeah i'm not doing anything oh. <laughs> okay all right okay. um i feel like and i you know what in retrospect i also feel it was one of those things where everybody thought it was going to be a straightforward thing oh just come in tell them how things should be done you know very small thing to be done i saw it as a holiday i'll be honest with you <laughs> i was like i'm just gonna go there for a couple of months you know help them out check out lagos life so get into get into lagos um that was when, after a couple of, you know, one, two months, really understand the scope of the project, understanding the nuances of it, all of that stuff. I was like, this is, this is, this is a little bit bigger than what I thought, but exciting, good big. It wasn't a bad kind of like overwhelming. So anyways, that's how I got in there, got my hands dirty into, you know, when I said dirty like it's, but got my hands into the, into the project. Now, this was my first time working with a development team of that size. Of course, I'm taking this hook like in a sinker. I'm like, this is amazing. I haven't had, you know, had the opportunity. It was just a new experience for me all through. Um, so anyways, we were able to, you know, get the get the get the app out. Um, but then that also cascaded into a whole rebrand organization wide. And as you have probably known by now, that has been my thing for like how many years back I, I work mm -hmm. a lot with companies to brand and do all of that stuff. So that was where I started to really lean into that other part of, you know, 
rebranding, um, going through the actual process of a corporate rebrand, which is a lot more complex than if it's a startup <laughs> that has mm-hmm. one, two people. This is an organization with hundreds of employees and all that stuff. Um, so that in itself was quite interesting um, to, to go through. Um, working in Nigeria was was a different <laughs> vibe. <laughs> I run a business in Nigeria, so I understand what you're about to say. But please take continue. take take what you may take what you write from that. It was a different it was a different vibe, um, but it was not. I wouldn't. I I don't want to say it was bad. I didn't. I again, my Nigerian experience wasn't bad. And sometimes I feel it's a weird it's a weird thing. Whenever I whenever people ask me about my Nigerian experience, I feel like the expectation is that it should have been bad. But I didn't have a bad time. I had a pretty good time in Lagos. Mm. Um, and, it, and I think that has to do with like the work I was doing. I was enjoying it thoroughly. Um, I had the flexibility I needed to do with that. But then I was also having the opportunity to see Nigeria. Like um, if I, I did, that was the first time I was able to go to the East. I had never been to the East before. So I went to Enugu. I went to Benin. Um I also had the opportunity to go to like um obviously back home to the north and all of that stuff. So I did a little bit of traveling around Nigeria, not a lot, but enough. But then Lagos itself, yes. Oh, I saw Lagos. I was anywhere that was new. You, you're going to find Jetty there, and I'm just literally just walking around, just like, what's going on here? And I'm like, hi. <laughs> hmm. It was so good. I had such a good time. Why did it? At, by the time I left, it was also such a perfect time because. I had known that it was time for me to go. I felt like I had done what I needed to do. It was good. It had been out. But I oh, I had always known that I wasn't I didn't want to stay in Nigeria for long. I didn't I wasn't it was not part of the plan. So by the time I had made the decision to go, it was not it was at a good note, you know. Things were in a good spot. The team was in a good spot. I was like my work here is done, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was able to make that decision to to move on and come back to to Canada, also because my family was here. So mm. my brothers were here. Um, you know, one of them had gotten married. Like babies were probably coming on the way. I was like, I want to be around my family during that time. So yeah, that's mm. how I ended mm. up back in Canada. Canada. There's a video of you on YouTube that I watched. And you were talking about the launch of this app. Of yes, Google. yes. Yeah, so, 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 take me or take us to that experience. This was this your first time speaking to uh, a group of people like Steven, Steve Jobs. They are doing a pro. They are doing a pro. Because <laughs> I, I was like, I, I saw you, and I was like, all she needed to do right now is to wear a black t-shirt. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was a, there was a group of people we were speaking to. That uh, were, was... those in, were, were those investors or who were those people? They were no, no, not investors. Cause this is a company that has been around for a while. So oh, okay, they, okay. they have, they have presence in Nigeria. So they were just people that either um, partners of the business, clients of the business, um, prospective clients, all of that. They were all present in the crowd Yes, that was the first time speaking in that capacity. I was on a high. I loved, I loved it. But then, interestingly enough, I was also part of the team that was doing a lot of the coordination and the events. So you're seeing me mm. talk. I'm just remembering right now because seeing me that I had not slept and I had literally gone from 
literally setting up a table to my hotel room to change and then back there to get wired up to go on stage. <laughs> mm. It was so mm. exciting. It was so exciting. Um, and it was so nice at that point because, again, we had done all this work that was initially they thought it was going to be a one, two month kind of thing. And it had taken that long because we coupled it with a rebrand and it was like a relaunch of a whole different thing. It was it was great. I, I absolutely enjoyed that time. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity that they even allowed me to do all of those things. Mm-hmm. I think I think that was another aspect that um it's not that I asked for it, but it was it was nice to be in a position where they, they felt comfortable saying, Okay, Jetty, you go and talk about this, or Jetty, you do this part of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I have a question. Um when you first came to Canada and landed in Fort St. John's. They wanted, they didn't want you to, not they didn't want you, they were suggesting that you guys should take one grade backwards, right? Absolutely. Now you went back to Nigeria and you had this two years experience and you did what you did in Nigeria. Did that two years help you in your current career, in your current career trajectory where you are right now? Exponentially. Oh, wow. A lot of times, and I say exponentially because a lot of times there was that fear that my experience in Nigeria wouldn't count Mm. but I think this also comes with career maturity and just being under being in a position to understand your career and draw out the things that are important during interviewing processes or talking to anybody about what it is you're trying to get to um it helped me not immediately because when I came back to 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 toronto i didn't i didn't transition back into the same level that i was operating in in nigeria um i i I transitioned into a new industry it was at a level that i wasn't happy with all that kind of stuff i i remember feeling a little bit sad but i wasn't feeling down because i knew that that was it was going it was literally i knew it was going to take just a matter of months for them to see that i was in line when i said that this was not the position that i should have been in and i was right with that um but it really that that experience in Nigeria helped not just my the way I looked at my career but the confidence in which I spoke in terms of how I, what I wanted to do like now I know for a fact that I can do a lot of these things so I when I'm when I'm speaking to guys here I'm like you don't you don't know <laughs> you, don't you don't know, know what it is exactly and it was just a, it was just a good way for me to really really like showcase the breadth of work that I could do. Mm. So I, I, that was, I think that was, that has been one of the best decisions that I've made. And it literally was a decision that was made in under a day and it literally changed the, you know, the, the shift of life. So, yeah. Mm. Okay. So we're going to take a, another water break here. And uh, um, I have a question that I want to ask Jetty again in terms of, living life at the spur of the moment because you just never know how things unfold so stay with us we'll be back with jetty hope you enjoy my conversation with uh, jetty so far um very inspirational story how she swings for the fences Uh, if you're a new listener i wanted to bring to your attention an episode I had with an individual by the name of Walter Wieser. It was actually the second episode of the show. And um, 
Dalta tells us how uh, he swims with sharks and uh, how he builds a business in Kenya and um, most importantly how he rebounded from um, the setback of um, separation and divorce after 13 years of marriage. Um, it's actually the most downloaded episode of the show so far. So if you're a new listener, after listening to this, I think you should check it out. All right, let's get back to the show. Uh, please, pardon me if I sound very excited. Uh, Jesse just, <laughs> just said something that just got me very like, wow. So I, I can't wait for you guys to hear this uh, part of our story. But um, Jetty, when we were, we were having the last... Um, when we were having a conversation in the last section there before we had to just take a break, um, you were talking about this two-year experience you had in Nigeria. It did not, you did not cash the check yet. <laughs> and you had to take two steps backwards per se. When did this check, when was this check cashed? Because I've seen your LinkedIn profile and you seem to have a very nice position with a very nice reputable <laughs> yeah. So, So when was this, when did people start to appreciate what you did in Nigeria? And in Nigeria, were you an executive with this company in that particular department or something? It's very interesting because like, if you remember when I, when I got in there, I was not coming in as a, an employee. Okay. I was coming in as a consultant to just help them out with a, with a, with a, with a with a project but by the time i integrated it i did end up i wasn't an executive no but i was i was managing a a, a lot of the brand stuff and the and the user interface part of things so the product design mm. so so when you, you you come back to canada you have this opportunity but it wasn't what you wanted and you made it very well known but you still took it yeah when did when did your experience in nigeria start to help your career immediately like and that's why and that's why I said I wasn't I wasn't too bogged down that I wasn't coming in at a position that wasn't ideal because I knew that it wasn't going to take time before they mm. saw what I had to do and I'm one of those people that depending on the space I, when I get into a space I do a lot of observation understand the the playing field and all that but I always find areas that I can add value and I'm contributing to the you know the holistic uh, team or whatever. So for me, I it was it didn't take too long for that to happen. I think the like by the time I was in there a couple of months, I did start you know trying to pull my weight in all those different areas. Of course, networking, talking, putting up your hand, all those key things that they let you know you should do in your career to to move forward. And I did all of that. Um, but I would say by the second year, that's when I really started to see the value of the work that I was doing and showcase it to the team that I was in while I was in Canada and them starting to also realize that. Um, when I eventually left that position, it was interesting because it was, again, that push to say, look, I've been doing all of this. You have, it has been acknowledged that I've been working at this level. Why am I not there? And, you know, a lot of dynamics, corporate politics we know how all that stuff works so i made the decision to switch companies and move to where I, where i'm at right now and even at that it's very interesting so when you say when when did you start cashing the check i don't know if i've actually cashed that check just yet oh, okay. <laughs> but one of the things that i am i have definitely appreciated between when i moved back and where i'm at right now is i've definitely been able to see a lot more 
of the impact that my work is making within the teams. It was when I it was when I moved back from Nigeria that I realized that one of the key things about me is culture, nurturing culture and in, within teams and that was one of my things. I started to make that part of my, you know, my spiel of, you know, what I want to do within organizations when I work there. So yes, I want to help design exceptional experiences. I want to help, you know, make really dope products, but I'm trying to build teams that are happy and empowered and want to work within that you know pod that we're in so i think that was one of the key things that really helped and by the time i shifted into this new the new so i went in i was in finance when i first moved into canada i'm now in marketing um back into marketing um (laughs) i'm really enjoying i'm really enjoying where i'm at right now it's a it's a great company i'm getting the opportunity to really lean into that culture nurture thing that I've been talking about and I've been wanting to really actualize I'm getting that opportunity to do that and the feedback has been great so I'm loving where I I like where I'm at right now I don't know if I'll be here for too long but we'll see Mm. if 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 there's a if there's a if there's a young lady listening to this conversation in university per se trying to figure out this thing called career management and stuff based on your story and how you have not designed it it just happened what's what what what's your advice to that lady it's gonna be it's gonna sound cliche but it's one of those things where don't knock it until you try it i'm i'm always a proponent of you have to you have to get outside of, and I feel like a lot of women go through this where they're in their heads a lot trying to figure out, is this the right strategy to do this? Do I need to do X, Y, Z? But there are so, like, you just have to get in first. <laughs> get your leg, get your foot in the door, and then you can figure your way out from there. I feel like there's a lot of, like, again, planning and thought that goes in before getting into different new jobs, new ventures, whatever it is. But you just have to start first. And this a piece of advice is not even just for that person that is, you know, looking at their career from afar. It's for people that are in careers now. It's for myself. I have to remind myself this about this every single day, which is especially as we get older and we mature, we tend to spend a lot more time trying to strategize, trying to figure it out before actually going in. In product design, there's a thing called MVP. And MVP is something that should be, which is minimum viable product, but that's something that should be carried on through life, which is you don't have to put out the best product out. You don't have to put the best product out first. You just have to get in Mm. and then you refine because what's going to happen is you're going to put it in the market. You're going to learn things and you're going to actually design and build a better product from your learnings. And that's literally how life should be. And we very, very easily forget that as we continue to grow. That's a, it's just a thing that one has to keep telling themselves, not just early on in your career, but literally it should be something that you remind yourself all through your career and hopefully life. You know, back to that sandbox with that child playing with the toys, the 10 toys in there. The MVP was two ways. The MVP was you doing it and realizing, I don't like this. And then you doing it and engaging with the external environment. And then you're like, ah, do I really want to deal with this kind of people and their headaches? So by so doing, the MVP was two ways. It's both an internal conversation and a conversation with the external public to realize, do I really enjoy talking to these people? Learning. 
if, if I don't, I want to shift and enjoy what I'm doing, but also the people on the other side, because exactly. it's, always a two, it's always a two way, right? If I don't like my customer group, change the customer group. That has been the biggest, another key lesson I had learned during my consulting days is the beauty about that is there is something as a bad client. There is a client, there are bad clients and there are clients that you can choose to say no to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you mm-hmm. you get you you get somebody a prospective client and immediately you know deep in your heart this is not somebody you want to work with or this is not an organization you want to work with and you have the ability to say no so definitely i, I it's uh, it's in that scope of realms of that you know mm. the learnings from what it is one doesn't like you know process of elimination helps to refine what the end product might be or what What's the journey what? might look like What's your take on this statement? The customer is always right. I think that's going back to like cookie cutter stuff. I The customer is not always right. But the customer is the one that would definitely be. I don't want to say the customer is not always right, but the customer is always the end game like you're gonna have to figure out a way to make the customer happy right because that's where that's where the business is trying to go to whoever it is that's providing them a service um the reason why i say is not always right is because there are something a lot of times and we see this a lot in product design where there's there's an assumption of what the customer wants or they say oh my god would love to have this here but you put out you put out exactly what is asked for, and you realize there's no uptake. So there's no people are not using it because they thought they wanted it, but the reality is it is not a very great idea. So this is where, and I'm I'm getting a little bit geeky in my work, but it's one of those situations where you kind of have to work with the customer and then tease out what it is they actually want, which might not be the initial thing they thought was it. So. It's not about taking a hook, line, and sinker. The customer says, I want A, therefore I have to give them A. It's about understanding why the customer is asking for A and then providing them with a solution that actually works. I think that's what made Steve Jobs very interesting. <laughs> the guy just said, I don't care about the customer. I'm going to create what I like. And then my audience will come, will, my, we'll come I will around. Find my, I'll find my audience amongst what I've created. And, you know, it's the same thing. Sorry to say, it's the same thing for me with the show. I want, I, I don't think about how many people will enjoy the conversation i tell myself i I tell myself uh, yeah so as i was saying um even with the show for me i don't really get to think about how many people are going to really enjoy this conversation i'm having with the person my most important thing is am i enjoying this conversation with this person and the other people that'll be like you know what i really enjoy this conversation with the same person because it's not every episode that's for everybody (laughs) most important thing is most important thing is me at the end of the day i'm the one talking to the person (laughs) and it's interesting you say that because um i find i say that a lot especially with my team i'm like look i'm trying to solve my problem here let me start with that (laughs) i know it Mm. might not be everybody's problem but let me solve this problem for myself and then y'all tell me if you have ever had the same problem too so it's also very i i do think that's a great way of 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 approaching problem solving because if you are experiencing it there's always somebody else that has experienced that same thing before mm-hmm. so correct so, shout out to steve jobs <laughs> yes indeed um this was the question i wanted to ask you from the get-go and then we started off with subways <laughs> um your hair is <laughs> it, there must be a story about this hair because 
I've never seen you before. This is my first time seeing you. Aside from when I saw you on the video on YouTube, yeah. that, that was that was a while ago. So who that knows what? And you know, you know, women, you guys and your hairstyles. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so how did this come about? By the way, if um, you're listening to this, Jetty has got locks on, but it looks very, very cool. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> it is actually, I find it an interesting story. I started my locks pre-pandemic, well, a month or two pre-pandemic. So pandemic started in March. I started my locks 2020. I started my locks January 2020, January, February 2020. Now, prior to me starting my locks, back in the day, my social media name used to be Faux Locks. Because F-A-U-X, like fake locks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah fake so Faux yeah. Locks, F-A-U-X-L-O-X, something like that. I spelt it in a very funny way. Anyways. The whole point of it is I've had this, I don't want to say obsession with locks, but I love locks. I love seeing locks on people. I love the variation of locks. Um, I love that it is actual, is the actual person's hair that's growing out and everything. I always used to find it very like, you know, there was a certain look about it. And I also felt that I always had this vision of myself as a, when I get older, that I'm going to have this head of white locks. Don't ask me why. But this is just what has been in my head. Anyways, I've started locks a couple of times in my life. The first time I started locks, I hated it. I went into it. I went into a salon. She used the she used gel, like a black gel, to do it, and it just looked grunky. I had shaved off of my head, so it was like the little I used to, I call them maggot locks because they're so tiny and little coils. <laughs> going mm-hmm. And I have this thing where I get um I get irritated by clusters of stuff. So you can imagine that didn't sit well with me. So I stopped that. The second time I tried locks, um, I think I started it myself too. I, I put my hair in twists, but I didn't like the way they looked. So I took them out. These set of locks, I actually started myself too. And it happened literally a split second decision. I had, this was, I was around end of January. I wouldn't forget. It was like January 28th. I just looked at my hand. I'm like, I should start my locks. And if I don't do this now, I'm not going to do it again. So I, I went on YouTube. I saw that I figured out the difference, you know, grid pardons, all that kind of stuff. And I twisted my hair and that was the beginning of my lock journey. That's how I started. <laughs> so, so three times, the third time now you like, what did you learn from those two other times that you didn't like? And if someone, if so, if I wanted to start locks, but by the way, I used to have, I used to have, I used to have, I used to have twist. Nice. Uh, in, in England when I was living in so we're talking about between 2004 no 2003 2004 yeah and I arrived I arrived and my locks was like a mop it's it, it was I love my eyebrows. Those. yeah but tell me my ex-girlfriend at the time is like my father is not gonna see you like that Yoruba man <laughs> see you with this he's probably gonna think I'm I'm dating a dada you know they say dada in Nigeria that's what they and it's funny enough because I really thought my my parents and everything because I, I had an ex who did have locks and I remember mom say, yeah, it's Dada. What is what is this on his head? I'm like, <laughs> now I'm the one that has locks. But she loves my hair too. And, you know, it's interesting how they kind of get acclimatized to it. But um, what did I learn from the first set? The first one, from the first one, I knew for a fact that I didn't, I don't like products, hair, like thick hair products. So I knew I was not going to do that. Um, I also, from the second time, 
I, I wonder if this was a lesson because I did the exact same thing this time, but I thought I didn't, I wanted it. I wanted to get it professionally done. Like I wanted a professional loctician to do the part, like the partings on my head and all of that. That's what I thought from the second time, but I guess I didn't really learn anything from that because I did the exact same thing, but I just made my partings a little bit bigger because I knew I wanted a little bit thicker locks. I didn't want the tiny ones. Hmm. Um, I don't, and to be honest, I is my locks has been a love hate relationship as with a lot of things because again, I started it myself, so I have some locks that are smaller than the other. But what I've learned to do is one thing like this journey has taught me is just again patience because patience is something I didn't have before. I don't think I have it still, but it has forced me to love things as is, like. I've, I I I I was looking. I remember one time I was like, "Oh, why is this one so skinny? Why is this one so fat?" I'm like, "That's how they are. You can't change it. They're already locked in. <laughs> so mm-hmm, you're gonna mm-hmm. have to learn to love them as is." And it sounds so very minimal, but that's literally one of those key things I've I've really enjoyed about this journey. Is like one moment I hate them, one moment I'm like, "Oh my god, I love my hair so much." Um, you know so it's it's been interesting i can't wait they they've only started to drop a little bit so if I, they were like you know they started it when they were like this short now they're gaining some length so we'll see where is, where they get this, to before i is this gonna be your identity for a long time this is a great question because like i said i always had this vision of myself when i'm much older having like lo- a head full of locks um but now that I'm in it, sometimes I want to scrape my head off, and I've and I have done a lot with my I've done a lot with my hair. I've 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 had buzz cut, blonde hair, whatever you know. Like you said, women do we like to experiment with our hair, at least black women, anyways. Um, the I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know if it's part of my identity now, but it is it is something that is like just like like i think my glasses are part of my identity everyone who knows me knows i've always had uh, some kind of crazy glasses on my face so i feel like now my locks and my glasses are kind of like a package deal but don't quote me because who knows you might i might be bald the next time you see me <laughs> you know it's it's funny you talk about your glasses and your locks i had a guy come on the show called randy Quanza. his episode has not been published yet and he is uh, the creator of kujo kid zone and uh, he has locks as well and he has glasses as well just like you and he has the same kind of colors like yours it's just that he's around google google yeah and 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 ironically that is the face of kujo kid zone in the cartoonish character so he says even i was in he sent me a message one time and the emoji was his face and i was (laughs) like did you create your emoji did you reach out to a developer and say create me my own because if you see the emoji, it is him. Yeah. And I'm like, that is so cool. So it seems as if for him, not as him, he actually said it. He says, you are the locks and my glasses is me. Mm-hmm. Every time people see me from afar, they're like, that, that's definitely Randy. That's him. That's yeah. definitely Cujo. So, but his own glasses are the round wow. goggles. Yours are flamboyant, <laughs> loud. They have, they, have, they have lapels Ooh. on the side, you know. <laughs> So has my dad calls them win. My dad calls them windscreens because they're so big. But um, <laughs> funny enough, the my frames before this were round. Oh, they had uh, they were big round glasses. Um, they, uh, I had friends that call them Gandhi glasses because they were nice and round. Um, prior to that, I had the Y frames, and I did 
tie a lot and the reason why i say it's those are tied into my identity is because a lot of times with my um emojis or my um like icons or illustrations you'd see that i always have some form of like whatever glasses is happening at that time so right now is these guys um but yeah they always haven't been this one but they've always been something Mm. slightly not, different not not normal. not conventional not conventional glasses yeah mm. have you realized that your hair and especially the way you answer the question about i always envisioned myself having locks and having this silver-haired woman when i get older but now when i ask you that question and you're like mm, i don't know have you realized it's almost like it's back to that sandbox thing again of the toy uh, just like your career <laughs> yeah yeah it's that, kind of crazy yeah I feel like that is, you know what, now that we talk about it, it definitely is a theme that is quite, uh, I'm, I think I'm quite tied to, which is, yeah, just give it a shot. If you don't like it, then change it. <laughs> mm. Especially coming from a conservative society like Nigeria, I feel that in Nigeria, and tell me if I'm wrong, creativity is not, it's not really encouraged. And that is one thing I am so grateful for to my parents. And I think is also to the fact that they are both kind of in the creative industry, if you call architecture creative. But my dad was actually one of those guys that really, really got us into like, just do it, try it. You know, we don't like it. But then at the same time, I don't know, maybe it's because we were kids, but by the time we got older, obviously it became a lot, Yo, you have to do this, you have to do that. Like, But I think it wasn't more about trying to dictate life. I feel for them, it was just like, we know with creativity, sometimes it might not be clean cut. And if you're going to get older, you're going to need to want to have, and I think this is something that is, you know, it resonates with a lot of um, African parents, which is we just want you to have something that is stable that you can fall back on. And, you know, you can do whatever you want to do after that. But um, growing up, they definitely allowed us to explore a lot of things. Um, and as we're older, they did, of course, the the regular thing, which is, oh, you should do this, you should do that. But then now everyone has kind of fallen back into what it was. But, you know, mm. yeah. Hmm. So there was something you shared when we, when we took a break. And <laughs> I, I, I also share that with you I'm, I'm i'm a son of i'm a son of a man that became a pastor who when i was between my the age of two to about 10 my father was i would never envision my father's father. he was a dj Jesus. yeah wow <laughs> yeah he was a medical doctor in daytime a dj at night and daddy amazing to i'm sorry i'm giving you a shout out in that regards and he was <laughs> My dad had Jerry coils. He used to wear white and white and he was driving a white Mercedes Benz. So he was really like the guy. You know? Yeah. And then I turned 10 years old and he accepted an invite from my auntie to go for crossover service that we call it in Nigeria, which is a night vigil. Uh, so if you're listening to this crossover service, it's really big in Nigeria. And what it is, is really uh, I'm robbers and everybody goes to church on this particular day. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody that has committed crime in the whole of Nigeria goes up because they're like, we need to enter the new year with God. And trust me, if you do not, if you're in Nigeria and you do not go for service on that day, people look at you like the devil. Yes. Um, <laughs> so that, that accepted this invite and that's when he gave his life to Christ. And I remember we went home, Babangida was giving the new year's address. And that is when my father started his journey with Christianity. Now, my question I want to ask you, which you shared with me during the break, which I didn't know about you, 
is we have a similar kind of background. Your father is also a senior person in the, um, I'll just say it, in the Anglican church. Yeah. How was it? How was it like growing up as a child of a religious person like that? Because trust me, my childhood was tough for me. <laughs> because, because 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 I, I started off with this child that could go to parties and do everything and then all of a sudden <laughs> now I can't go to parties anymore. Why? I want to dance, I want to do break dance. Come on. <laughs> so um funny enough my i feel like my lineage has been in church because my granddad was a bishop actually so my dad grew up in that kind of line of you know i guess faith um my dad didn't fully go into the church church until when we were when i was like maybe 10 11 if i i'm i'm i i i can not remember the but i was pretty young oh well not pretty young i was pretty in the middle at that time um growing up in a household that was we yeah our, our household was different it wasn't bad we we because again we grew up in a very expressive family we were very close-knit we talked a lot so a lot of those things were very much it didn't feel stifling if that made any sense i remember and especially because my mom is my mom is a very, she's a very um, eccentric lady. She's very different. <laughs> so I remember one time, actually, this is us going to church and I wore dungarees and um, I think I had one earring or something like that, something very snazzy. And they didn't allow me going to the Sunday school. So I went in and I went to tell my mom in the big church, <laughs> which is uh -huh. where the adults go, that they're not allowing me because I'm wearing pants. And my mom was livid. She went back and she's like, you know, is it, is it because is it close that God is looking at and all these things? But so basically she was the lady that nobody would mess with because my mom was like, God is, God is not looking at what you're wearing in order for you to be in church. Like, it's not about that. It's not about the physical stuff. It's about what's in your heart, all that kind of stuff. Um, my dad on the other side, he's again, a very, I want to say he's a free spirit where he's he's accommodating and we we talk about a lot of these things and challenges and things we don't understand about faith but he was also very conventional because he grew up in the church so he's the person that would go to church every sunday he plays the organ in church he was all he did all those things but one thing that we were lucky to have is the fact that he knew that that was his journey mm. so he didn't really enforce it it wasn't something that he was like oh all of you have to do so he he whenever he communicates with us about all the things that he wants to do within the church all of that he does that from a point of this is what i am doing mm. rather than this is what everybody in this household has to do um but yeah we did go to church all the time we did all the routine stuff um and all of that stuff but it was more of an experience for us than uh oh my god you have to do this if not you know you're going to hellfire um so yeah, no that that my my story with that is it, childhood growing up in church was very interesting. For me, it it was also very eye opening to me because I like I wouldn't identify I wouldn't identify myself as an Anglican right now. I just say I'm a Christian because I never understood the I've never been able to wrap my head around the whole denomination stuff because it doesn't make sense. But then even within the Anglican church I have, I'm like, why do they, why do we have to do this in this way? <laughs> you know, um, if, if we, so I have my own, you know, nutshell with, with Christianity and all of that. But um, I believe in like my, like my Christianity journey, 
just the way I've been raised is again that personal relationship with Christ and um that's how I've chosen to like develop it and move along with it so um I'm I'm happy for my dad I love what he's doing I love how he's taking his journey I find it an inspiration the way he's you know taking whatever word he got and said you know this is what God has called me to do and I'm doing it the way and his way is not conventional either so he's I mean he's still a practicing architect he still does so it's almost like volunteer if that makes any sense but he's very he's very serious about it like he he loves what he does and we're all just supportive of him for that and I think the reason why is because he hasn't imposed it on the rest of us that's his journey that's his path and that's what we've been taught and how we've been brought up is like all of this is a personal relationship with God and how you want to serve God so Mm. This, this is my last question on this session before we take our final break um for me raised as a son of a pastor i rebelled <laughs> I, I rebelled i rebelled like crazy and then i even rebelled that i even turned my back on god mm. but now but now i i came back and now it's a very mature relationship you know did you have that same moment like i did or you have always been straight and you've been always on the straight and narrow all, all, all this while. I didn't rebel, but I do. And a number of times I've been, I've gotten that comment where it was like, well, your dad is a pastor. Like, I think I feel like a lot of people didn't reconcile the two just because they would have expected one to be a certain way because we're raised. But like I mentioned, it was never that way for us in our family. Um, I feel like, there was definitely times where I've just, and this was even more recent than, than not, which is where I, I couldn't understand. I'm like, what is happening? I'm not sure. Like I know. And just because I've had so many personal encounters with God, I know for a fact that I can never really move back away from that because I know God personally, and I know what he's done for me. However, with Christianity, I have struggled a lot and I feel like it's also recently it's just recently I've started to kind of find my way back and it wasn't a sharp moment for me but it was definitely a a a gradual process where it was like what my name is Jetiolua it means I am of the Lord okay and I feel like that has been a I don't know an anchor for me in most of my life which is I know that wherever it is I go I'm always tethered back to him and I there's I always will find my way back so I not that I it's not I don't say I don't feel worried when I stream because that doesn't sound right but I always know that I'm not going too far because something is always going to bring me back to God in my life because that is is a, is a center point for me mm, so mm. wow that's cool so we're gonna take our, our final break here with Jetty I want to thank Jetty for being very generous with us and we're gonna have a final break and come back on a final session and then i'm gonna ask my favorite question <laughs> so stay with us we'll be back as we take the final interlude for uh this uh conversation with um jetty wanted to bring to your attention um a weekly newsletter that i produce every week titled three nuggets weekly uh where i share three things that um i enjoyed the previous week and i think might add value to you uh for this week um the topics that are going to be shared is uh, one is going to be philosophy one is going to be about money and the other one is going to be about uh, relationships i watched a great video 
this week that uh, I think has changed the dynamics of my relationship and myself and my partner watched that video and we truly want to incorporate uh, what we learned from that video and we've already seen the remarkable uh, changes in our relationship so I thought it would be nice to share with you uh, whoever has subscribed to the newsletter so if you want to subscribe to the newsletter you can go to uh, my website which is www.uiukpong.com and uh, insert your email address in there and uh, you will now receive the uh, weekly newsletter uh, once a week with that let's get back to my conversation with Jetty for the last session So we're back again with Jetty, which is our final uh, session here. Uh, Jetty, you've been very generous with the time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, you are currently on vacation and you're giving me this time. So not me, giving us this time. Um, the, the, um, the, the session I want to get to now, the segue I want to make right now is travel. Um, the person that introduced me to you, Itora says, man, you are, there are two people in my life that are very adventurous people. how how, how's your travel been where have you been funny enough i don't think i've been to a lot of places just yet and that's just because um i feel like there's just so many places i want to see but i have been to in the last four years or three years rather i've done 10 countries which is good um I like, I mean, let me start from what, what, what makes me travel. I'm just curious, you know, I want to, I want to see what's happening on the, what are they doing on that side? That's literally the (laughs) thing that drives me. I'm like, what is happening there? And then of course, opportunities. I'm one of those guys that uh, I'm one of those people that if I see an opportunity and everything is there, like I'll, I'll take it. Um, so a lot of those and, and a lot of those trips where I've just taken the opportunity have been great. So even, for example, that Nigeria trip was it was a great opportunity. Um, Ghana was another good one where I was just with my friend and we're like, oh, there's a festival in Ghana. Let's go. I've never been to Ghana. Oh, I had been, but I was sick the last time I went. So we we literally that was a <laughs> we got to Ghana and, and that was nice. Bene Republic was also good. This was also during my time in Nigeria where I was just like, I just want to do everything. Mm. That one was very interesting because my my friend and I were sitting there, we're like, oh, let's go to Bene Republic. And we're like, okay, how's this going to work? We're like, oh, we don't want to spend too much or anything. And that was the funniest trip we've ever had. It was a real backpacking trip where we walked across the border. <laughs> no way. You can do that in you can do that in Nigeria. There was a part there was a part of a trip where we stepped over a rope and they were like, you're in Bitter Republic. That was the part that still kills me up until today. Um, we hopped on a on a bike at some point that took us to some place. We hopped in a cab. It took us to another place. And it was just so, so, um, there's a word they call it shoestring or something like that. It was just very, you know, wherever the wind blows, that's where we're going best trip ever it was so it was so exciting and we got to see a lot of parts of Benin that i i had never been there before so it was nice um they speak they speak french there don't they they speak french there they speak french there how did you guys navigate in a country that speaks a different language uh there was another friend we met up with there that spoke french and my friend she lived in paris for about two years so she had a little bit of french in her back pocket 
Okay. Um, so we're able to navigate it. But outside of that, Google Translate is great. <laughs> it just helps to, you know, navigate us through a lot of those things. Um, that was that was that was really funny. We were there for about four days, three, four days actually. And it was just us exploring and you know, deciding we're gonna do random stuff each day. So that was that was nice. Um I've done South Africa. That was really good. I had originally gone for a wedding, but I was with my brother and his, um, were they married at that time? Anyways, he's now wife. But um, and we decided to do a little bit of exploring too. I only did Cape Town, but I'm hoping to go back to do Joburg and um, the other sides of uh, exciting parts of South Africa. I, I really, I really enjoyed my time there. I haven't done a lot of places in Africa. So uh, those places I want to go to right now are actually in Africa. Like I really want to do Senegal. I really want to do Kenya because I've had a lot of connects that have been to Kenya and have said they refused. They did not want to leave. <laughs> I'm, actually, I'm um, actually moving back, actually. There we go. There's Apparently there's something about that place that is just amazing. And I know the creative industry is pretty good there too. So... um top of mind where else have i been i've done i did my first asia stuff um and it was not i only went to singapore and very, bali very, very bougie mm-hmm. very bougie but i did enjoy <laughs> singapore a lot <laughs> <laughs> but i can see why i'm like oh this place is so like ugh, like everything is so prim and proper but um i did enjoy that my Bali trip was very interesting because I did um half of it was solo, the other half I joined up with friends. Oh, nice. The solo part was amazing too because again, I, I was I had never been to that part of the world and I just kind of, you know, head first. So a lot of my tours was just me and this random person that I found on I think was one of those uh, tour guide stuff. And I was just I'm like, look, guys, if I go missing, at least you know where I'm at, or at least you know the last place I was. That was I I did my my second mountain climb in Bali, which was great. I went on Mount mm. Batur, and that was Mount, ex- Mount, Mount Batur. Okay. Okay. And it was um something because this was in the, we we had to start in the morning so that we could catch the sunrise at the top okay i'm not a very physically like i'm not the person that jogs miles every day and i mean i i could hold my own but climbing that one was tough because i think it's a volcanic one so the sand on is kind of slippery and you're climbing at night and if you're not like it's kind of steep at some places or whatever anyways i made it to the top for the for the sunrise and that's one of my highlights Would would you do it again absolutely because the first the first mountain I did was Table Mountain, um, that South was my Africa. in South Africa, and that was when I was like, oh, I'd love to do another mountain, and that's when I ended up doing Mount Batora. And I feel like I want to do another mountain, but I don't know where yet, just just yet. So if you have any recommendations, Kenya, don't say Kilimanjaro. Because... No, 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 no. Kilimanjaro actually is not in Kenya. Kilimanjaro is in Tanzania. Oh, okay. Sorry. Thank you. Okay, because I no, feel like somebody I'm, I'm has. Not... I'm not even Somebody, recommending. I'm not even recommending the big ones. I if you have tiny mountains, I'll t- I'll take the tiny mountains. Yeah, I would say <laughs> I would say I would say do go to Kenya. That's one thing I really love about Kenya. If you want the outdoors, Kenya has a lot of outdoors, right? Yeah. But if you if you go to Kenya, I would say you can do Mount Longonot, mm-hmm. and it has a crater. 
So you you get to the summit and then you are now walking around the crater. I love come, that. And then you come back down. And because Kenya is their GDP has a significant percentage towards tourism, they have really like planned everything in that in that way. There's guides and there's uh they actually have a, a, a part of their military infrastructure. They have actually sectioned out uh, a department strictly for the preservations of all this of all those yeah and also rangers to protect against the animal poaching and things like that Mm -hmm. so and it's a crime for you to kill an animal in in kenya i hope so because i feel like people (laughs) that kill animals come there for sport and they should not be doing that correct so yes i would say kenya mount longanut or kilimambogo kilimambogo i feel like kiliman is something it has to do with the language right because there's obviously kiliman which is not in Kenya, but I, I, they are they tied together? Yeah, so Tanzania is... Huh, if someone is listening to this and you're from another part of East Africa, you're going to shoot me because of what I said. Just make, make sure the bullet is a little bit blunt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, Tanzania, I think, is the birthplace of uh, Swahili. Gotcha. So, uh, so uh, they speak Swahili in Tanzania, and Kenya also speaks Swahili. So... Um, because of neighbors and stuff like that, most of these uh, cultural sites have uh, a Swahili similar name. Because I feel like Kiliman would be, I feel like it means something for it to have that, you know, be kind of appended to those different. So, Kiliman, what was it called? Kilimambogo. Kilimambogo. Mount, Mount Kilimambogo. Yeah. Well, who knows? Next time yeah. we'll be at some point in life, I'll be like, I'm climbing Kilimanjaro. <laughs> <laughs> so, so b- b- before we segue to the last session, uh, last uh, question I always ask: uh, Take me back to Benin Republic. What made Benin Republic a really great trip for you? And if I were to go to to Benin Republic and want to experience it through your eyes or your experience, what's the one thing you would say, man? If you go to Benin Republic, you got to do this. It, okay, I'll get to the second part. The first part, what made it so special was how random it was. We we planned it, but we didn't plan it, if that makes any sense. We went with the flow. And I think a lot of the best trips happen that way, where you just let things happen. And and I think this has been a theme in our in our discussion today, which is you just we just allow things out. We just enjoyed the moment of it. We were, I mean, whenever my, my friend and I, whenever we talk about, that trip we are always in stitches and we're always laughing just because of how random it was and it was just like the memories that came from the randomness of it was was the best part of it um what would i tell people if you go to Bennett that you absolutely need to do huh <laughs> i don't know i feel like like i want to say that they should they should do the same thing that I did, which is just have a very organic trip, trip, like see things and be like, oh, what's that? Let's go check it out. Like we were, I mean, we did the regular stuff. We went to the beach. I I, I always go to any beach. If, I, if there's a beach close by, you're going to find me there. And I just wanted to, you know, check that side out. I avoided the snake part of things just because I have a very, very big fear of snakes, but that would have been a place that a lot of people would like to go just to see because they have the the snake, whatever it is. There's a lot of snakes there. Ugh. 
there's the secret forest or the I don't I don't know what the, the what? kind of secret for forest se secret forest or secret, um okay. voodoo forest or something like that. It's not really voodoo or anything, but they just have like a lot of statues, and I think they just because Benin itself has I don't know if you know about this, but they have a, a very an interesting um history with just. I guess what they will call fetish stuff. So there's also that fear. I didn't know this until I got there. <laughs> so mm. this is me. I should have done some research before that. But um, I mean, getting there and hearing about it, I'm just every small thing like, oh Jesus, covered with the blood of Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, God oh, Jesus, I'm only exploring. Please, God, <laughs> save me. <laughs> I don't oh, want to wow. worship other gods, but anyways, it was it was it's. It, I just feel like just going there with an open mind and just, I and this is not just about Bene, it's about anywhere else. But I think that would be the best thing to. I like. I feel like if you go there with a preconceived notion, you might a lot of people might be a little bit hesitant to really mm -hmm. explore. But if you go there with an open mind, you're really going to see a culture that is quite is quite interesting to be in, and they have a lot of history, right? So. There's a, depending on what you're trying to get out of a trip like that, it might be because I remember when we went to the slave part of things, I I like I'm a history person. So I, I loved hearing about it, but I knew that that wasn't a place I wanted to stay in for a while because that was not the theme of of the of the trip, if that made any sense. So I'm like, oh, man, this is sad. You know, God bless our ancestors. But then, you know, let's move. <laughs> let's move. Let's change the energy, you know. So I really enjoyed the food, too. Yeah, is the food was food, nice. Is their, is their food spicy like Nigerian food? Nah. I don't know. It's not. At least the ones I ate was not that spicy, but it was nice. Like the fish was really good with the pepper sauce and stuff like that. It was pretty good. So even though we are neighbors, is our culture very different? Um, We're neighbors, but I mean, I feel like French Africans and English Africans are different. <laughs> I feel like there's a there's a nuance. Like, I even feel like if you go to Cameroon or any of those places, they will, you would feel a difference in the culture, even though similar, we kind of look alike. There's just that just because of the language, I feel like there's a certain nuance in terms of culture. Mm. And I felt I felt that way. I felt that in Benin. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. So my question i always like to ask people is um in terms of uh what's the stabilizing event have you encountered and most importantly how did you rebound from it in life generally in in jetty's life from zero to what you are now which what what's the one event that you say man that event hit me hard but this is how i experienced it and this is how i rebounded from it that's a good one the first thing that comes to mind and and i will speak uh, i had in in university this was and if you remember when i was talking about my time in university i was out there like i was events everything it was such a big high point in life and i think it was second year i got bell's palsy which is a thing with your face where half of your face becomes paralyzed i didn't know what it was i'd oh, never wow. heard of it i'd never heard about it in my life i remember just waking up one morning and i couldn't move i felt i felt weird i went to the mirror i couldn't brush water was falling out. i thought out apparently it's a slight form of a stroke or whatever i don't know whatever it is 
half of my face was was like just frozen. Um, I remember going into the ER and um, we were there for so long and I'm just not understanding what was going on with my brothers at that time. Everybody was just, they thought I was joking at first. They were like, what do you mean you can't move your face? I'm like, I can't talk because like half of everything was just not working. And then we went to the hospital and that's when I remember finally seeing the doctor like, oh, you have both pulse. And I remember the flippant way, I'll never forget the flippant way in which the doctor said it. And in retrospect, I and this goes out to every doctor that's around. Like, I know it's such a hard job. I respect it. But, oh, man, doctors, I feel like doctors have lost that sensitivity. Like, it's just, here's, I'm, I'm, I was barely 18. Like, he was just like, come on. Like, this is somebody that has just gone through something that feels traumatic to them. Like, you can't just be like, oh, you know, whatever. Or oh, what causes it? We don't know. So, anyways. Bottom line is Bell's palsy is one of those um, health um, things that have not really been, they don't realize what, they don't know what causes it. I have my theory because apparently it should happen once and never happen again. I had it six times, multiple oh. times. But that first time was the worst, obviously, because I had never, it had never happened before. And I had to see, after the first two, three times, I had to see a lot of like doctors to figure out and they've never figured out what it was. You know, because they were like, we don't know what causes it, but I have my theory, which is the stress induced and, you know, all of that stuff. But uh, yeah, it was very interesting because that first one was a big blow to my confidence and my self-esteem. Because here I was at a point in my life where I was just jumping into anything and everything. And I was just feeling I was, you know, youthful, exuberance, everything was just there. And this happened to me and I feel like it really caused me to, it it, it 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 had a hit on my confidence that took me years to build back up. Now, the second part of your question is how did you, how did I overcome it? How did you Honestly, yeah. well, the fact that obviously medication <laughs> obviously yeah. made it better. Um, and after the first, like after the couple times that it happened, seeing doctors, they couldn't figure it out. It just kind of faded away and all of that stuff but there was a lot of work that had to go into me rebuilding that confidence and being able to want to be in front of people speak to people and not have everyone question if you're okay is everything happening why do you look like that or why is why are you talking like that all that kind of stuff um but honestly i want to say that the key things that contributed to me kind of building my confidence back up is my mother's prayer <laughs> that's for one uh, strong words of um, encouragement from both my parents especially my mom I think my mom was one of the first people that kept on trying to hammer into my head that whatever is happening is going to go away and it doesn't affect you as a person and I shouldn't stop doing the things I used to do before because I started re kind of I didn't I didn't want to perform anymore I didn't want to do any of those things just because I didn't want to you know have people ask questions about that but the thing the funny thing is a lot of people would not have noticed when I started to get better because it was just a slight weakness in my face. But anyways, bottom line is a lot of support system and having a supportive family around me, a lot of um, prayers from my mom, I would say that was major key. And I would say only recently did I really start getting back full confidence in terms of how I approach work. And that my my general theme of life of just, you know, just jump into it, try it out. What's the worst that could happen? Just, you know, 
get it started and if it doesn't work it doesn't work I feel like that at the baseline was also one of the things that helped me because as much as I didn't want to do a lot of things my natural disposition is to do those things so I had that you know back and forth of not wanting to do it because of this but then wanting to do it because that's just what I want to do and having to push myself in that other direction and saying, this is what you've always wanted to just get into it. Yes, you have this thing that you might think is a big thing, but is actually not. You're alive. You're well. You're fine. And also starting to hear a lot more stories about it and just knowing that, you know, it happens, but it's not life threatening. And I'm I, at least you see me now. I'm talking. I'm fine. So um, I don't know if that's if that's anything to speak to. It's not. It's just one of those things that I feel it was life-changing and it took me longer than I expected to recover from the mental trauma that it caused me, if that mm. makes any mm. sense. Mm. So, And being able to acknowledge that. Sorry, that's the last time. Therapy was the last one. <laughs> yeah, and that's where, yeah. That, that's, where I was, that was, that's where I was going. I wanted to ask the question more on the treatment side of it. The physical, sorry, the physical aspect of it, how long did it last for the first time you had it? uh three months oh that's long two three months it took about two that's three long. months to get full movement back in my face and i was that was being on on heavy medication actually but then after that the ones that happened subsequently because now i knew i kind of started to understand it so there were certain times when i would feel certain things and i would know that i'm going to have an onset and then i'll be able to get to the doctor sooner and start you know things like that and then by the last couple of times, it was just, it, I didn't like the last time that it happened was, well, was, was a while ago, man. I can't even remember it. And I remember a big part, a big part of, of life I remember was, I, this was about two, three years ago, actually, or right before I moved back to, 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 to Canada, I found a bottle of the, of the medication I used to take while I took it. And I remember sharing to the rest of my family, I'm like, I didn't even know I still had this. It's expired. I've never had to use it. And it hasn't happened. And just throwing it in the garbage was one of the best things ever. But wow. yeah, huh. random stuff. Those, <laughs> those three months that you had the first time, could you think properly? Could you function properly? Everything was, yeah. I could literally continue life as is. The only problem was I, well, half of my face wasn't moving. Because, because what I understand of stroke, not being a medical person, is it's half of your body. Yes. So this is, is not a stroke. I, I, I should make sure I caveat that the Bell's palsy is not a stroke, but it feels like you're having one because you, you assume, especially if you have never had it before, you assume that whatever is starting on your face is going to go to the rest of your body because it's oh. a peripheral kind of thing. So, yeah. Um but it's just the is the there's a, something that happens to the facial nerve. There's some kind of pressure that happens to it that causes the nerves to seize. So, wow. And and now that you had it six times, which you said the medical community doesn't have a cure for it. You Jetty, when do you feel that it's coming, and can you stop it? Based yeah, on, based on yourself. So when I say now that they don't have a cure, they have to, there's treatment for it. I was on treatment oh. for it for it to do. Okay. Is they don't know what causes it. There's not that's, a distinct. There's not a distinct yeah. clarity of this is what causes this, but they have different theories of what could cause, um, what could bring an onset of Bell's palsy. Um, so yeah, there's there's that distinction, and then the last part is onset of things. So tingling, 
you know, sometimes it might feel, I might feel if I'm under, if I'm under a lot of stress and I start to feel like pain in my face or tingling at any part of it, I would be like, okay, I need to go and lie down or I need to detach. <laughs> I need to, you know, calm down and relax, things like that. Um, <clears throat> or twitching. I, I used to, and I still have a lot of twitching in my face sometimes. So sometimes the people who are talking to me, I'm like, I know my face is twitching. Just ignore me and continue to listen to what I'm saying. <laughs> um so things like that. There's just different things that I could I've just learned to live with as that were like side effects from um having Bell's palsy a couple of times. You know, listening to you now, I am beginning to think about something that I have been experiencing in the last one month where my right hand would just start moving. Like just, the little Yeah, 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 just like a little like as if it's yeah. like a tremor. Yeah. It's like, what is oh. going on? You know, so I now stop and I, I look at my hand and I look at my hand and my hand is basically moving. And I'm just like, what the hell is going on? And then it stops. And then when it stops, I now move my hand around and be like, hmm, that's crazy. I got to eat my vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> so if there's I'm, anything I would say about like a, a lot of, especially, I mean, as we grow older, there's just random stuff that happens, but definitely never put things to the last minute because always get it checked out just to be sure. But I'm also hypercon and this is where the therapy thing came into fact because I also learned to unpack that kind of stuff, which is, because of the trauma of what happened then, I actually became a hypochondriac from that. What is, what is that? Sorry. Uh, I, I always think something is wrong with me. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm always like, oh my God, what if, what if, what if, what if? And I, it, was, it was through therapy that was, I was, you know, I learned to realize and identify that is not always something that is happening to you. But if you need the clarity, then just go and get clarity from whoever the professionals are. But. You sound like you're fine. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think this is why women live longer than men, right? <laughs> <laughs> if, if it was a woman that was her hand started to shake, she's like, I gotta go look for somebody, man. And look at me just saying in a very casual way, but I need to eat family... vegetables. Yeah, I need to go eat my vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> man, um, Jetty, you first of all, thank you for sharing that. I'm so glad that uh, you have recovered. And the yes. last time you had the last time you had a session, as, as you rightly said, was a few years ago, right? A while ago, actually. It's been more than six, seven years that oh, that so has happened. So, so let's, let's knock on wood and say, please don't come back. Oh, no, time. I'm I'm positive that it's not coming back. I, I'm, I'm such a positive person. I'm like, it's gone, gone, gone. I, I hope I yeah. never have to experience that again. But wow. yeah. Thanks for sharing. Um, it's a question I always ask, which is my last question. Um, if failure... If failure wasn't a thing, what endeavor would you attempt? No, no, attempt is not the right word. If failure wasn't a thing, what would you what what endeavor would you take on? Since you're a very project specific person. I think I'll <laughs> I think I would go to space. I think I might do something <laughs> in the no, I'm serious. I really think so I cool. might do something with like space exploration. Because I'm such a like I know I'm like my god I'm like my god is too magnificent for this to be the only thing. I'm quite sure there's something else. 
that he has built that is just as cool and i want to see it huh. that is i know it's so random but uh, i think that and it's not even as a serious fail it's just an option it's just that i also like it's a i always wonder about it you know but so that means space tourism is on your cards are you kidding me top notch if they if what's his name musk elon musk should open up i'll be i'll be in front of the line i'll be like let me check it out actually actually <laughs> what are they Jeff doing Bezos. over there jeff Bezos. oh he has yeah, his own exploration team going he has, he has, he has, yeah blue, blue origin mm. what are they doing over there i want to see <laughs> wow that's interesting and 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 where do you think this space thing comes from i have a very vivid imagination i think it comes from there i just feel like there's just somewhere there's so many things happening outside of the, and i think also of course movies and just understanding how people think outside of what is i feel like there is just so much that we have not yet seen that we could possibly see and i would like to see it too like i want you know you know those parts in movies when an astronaut is looking at earth and they're seeing i want to see that like I, I for me I think it's a curiosity thing. I just want to see like what is it? Like when I go to the beach and I'm seeing that vast amount of water and it's just like so like I'm always in awe about the grand the grandness of the earth and the little things about the earth. Like those kind of things just get me. So I'm yeah, I think that's what is driving a lot of these things about what is outside there. I want to see it. <laughs> do, do you do you gravitate towards sci-fi movies and stuff like that funny enough i don't i i mean i do watch them but it's not like it's not a, it's not my thing i wouldn't be like oh i'm gonna pick a sci-fi movie nah mm-hmm. i would write about one i feel there's a script in my head that i've been kind of mulling over for a couple of years i might actually write that out but yeah hmm. interesting all right what's the final thing you would like to say to the audience before we say Goodbye and thank you very much for Jetty coming on the show. I would like to say <laughs> that's the I would this is such a I always say this question because it's like now what do you say? Does it have to be profound? No, it doesn't have to be profound. But um just enjoy every moment. Like moments are meant to be lived, but they also I mean if you can't capture them, capture them, but definitely learn to live in moments and um you'd be surprised about the things that retain because I feel like when life is, when life gets down, those are the things that hold us together. Those memories of different moments in life that we've lived. So learn to appreciate them and keep them close. Wow. Well, well said. Jetty, thanks for creating time out of your vacation time and uh, <laughs> having a conversation with us and uh, enjoy the rest of your vacation wherever you are in New Jersey, which is 10 minutes away <laughs> from New York. And uh, nice getting to know you. Thank you so much for this. This was so interesting. And I, I look forward to hearing so many more stories from people's lives that uh, they that they choose to share. I think this would be great. I love the ways they choose to share. Yes, yeah. indeed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now have a good one. Okay. Have a good one. Thank you. All bye. Right. Bye. Well, there we go. Another episode of uh, the show has come to an end. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with the guest and uh, learned something from it and 
a particular part of uh, his or her story inspired you to make that move, whatever that move could be for you. Uh, with that being said, please subscribe to the show. Uh, you can also leave a review. The review really helps the show to grow and gets uh, in the ears of other people. Um, also share with a friend, someone that you know in your network that you believe this episode, they need to hear this. Uh, you can share it with that individual. Uh, whatever podcast directory you use, uh, look for the share option and uh, share it to that person. Lastly, don't forget to go on the website www.uriukpong.com to subscribe to Three Nuggets Weekly where I share three things that I found interesting the previous week and uh, think may add value to your life. With that being said, I'm wishing you a great week and I will uh, come back to your ears next week. Have a good one now and do something crazy. Bye for now.